Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I don't know if we're ever going to change the intro. I don't think we should change the intro because I think that that, that would be bad vibes if we change the intro. So it's going to be Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman uh, for the unforeseeable future. Good morning. As always, welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Trace Fowler, and uh, welcome into this lovely Wednesday, beautiful morning in Hamilton, Ohio. We come to your way, I'll get to it, we'll come your way every day from 10 hey. to 12, P. and as always, you can join us on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube, just search Off the Bench or in podcast form when I say literally every single podcast platform has us, every single podcast platform has us. The Reds had a day off uh, a few days ago, and yesterday they got back to action against the Guardians, and the offense apparently didn't, didn't, didn't vibe with that idea. Um, the offense have been slipping and sliding for quite some time, and they were right back at it yesterday as they got shut out. And whenever a team gets shut out, I don't know about you, but I always am reminded of the old movie clip from Major League. Casey, run the clip. So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. That's a solid movie. That is a very, very solid movie. There's a funny story to tell about that movie later. If someone can remind me and I can remember, I'm not sure which of the two will, uh, will actually happen. But nonetheless, Guardians win three to nothing. And uh, the good news, though, if there's good news, if you want good news, and uh, you are paying attention to the NL wildcard race, the Marlins lose, the Phillies lose, which I don't know if we're even following the Phillies anymore, if we're being quite frank, and the Cubs lose. So no harm, no foul, as they say. Although it does feel a little bit gross right now if you're a Reds fan. Um, the concern, I guess, may be is their best baseball behind us. Obviously, David Bell and the platoon lineup, I'm sure, we will discuss during this show at some point. I'm sure Elliot will be a big fan of that platoon lineup, as he has been all year long. He will be the guy in that chair over there all day defending David Bell. Charlie Goldsmith, he will join us at 11.15. I'll ask him a little bit about the, uh, the Bengals and the Reds. I'll ask him about both because he's a switch hitter. I was going to be mean right there and, and, and downgrade one of our own players, and I decided not to. So credit That's to me. Good. So mm. credit to me. Mm. Really, I'm a big man for doing that. I was going to knock Ellie, and I just decided not to. Uh, some more, more news surfaces about Wander Franco and the Michael Orr situation. Not going to spend a ton of time on it, but do want to update people as I see things and as it progresses. Did you see who now is in some sports books? Of course, not the best sports book on planet Earth, which is Betfred, but in some sports books out there. Joe Burrow is now the league's MVP favorite. Most times, Vegas knows more than the rest of us. I'm just telling you, Vegas usually knows. I know many people are screaming and worried about him not playing in preseason and this, that, and the other, and his calf. Is it really hurt? Is it not hurt? I don't know. I know one thing. When you're the favorite to win the MVP in the league, I would venture to say it's probably not as bad, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. 
Um, and I also have a spoiler uh, about tomorrow's show. Tomorrow, these guys don't know this yet. I'm going to tell them live on air with you. Tomorrow, we will not have a show. Elliot's not going to get out of playing golf, but there's a reason behind it. I'm going to let them know towards the end of the show as a surprise and uh, let them know what we're going to do and what we have to do because we have to pay bills around here. And I want them to, to, uh, to be able to help me do that. Uh, fellas, good morning. I have a, a story to tell here in just a minute, but before I get to that story, I just want to go around the room, just say hi and make sure that you guys feel like you're part of the show. Cause you are, you're a large part of it. Good Reed, morning, Elliot. Good morning, Trace. You know what? I'm absolutely surprised that a running back isn't the top oh, MVP odds getter in the league. I'm, I'm surprised by that personally shocked. Yeah. But well, good morning. Good morning to you, Reed. Yeah. It wasn't a great night last night, but it's certainly a better morning today. And by the way, it's starting to feel cooler. I love that. As you guys know, I'm a hoodie guy, so anytime I have an excuse to wear a hoodie, I love it. I take it. I didn't do it this morning, but I'm ready to roll. You a fall guy over summer? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not so you're a baseball close. guy. You like baseball more than football? I do. I do, but the best baseball, I'd argue, is in the fall. Nice. Uh, the Reds have had a lot of success in the fall. All right. And with that, Casey, how are you doing? Trace, I'm doing good. All right. I'm doing good. Well, here's the thing. I want to start with something positive. I know we have the cherry on top that ends this show, right? The United Dairy Farmers cherry on top. But the chat, this is where I rely on you. And maybe even the comment section, the people that watch this show, which is actually a good amount of people that watch this show after the fact. Um, I'd like to start the shows off a little SVP-esque. Shout out SVP. Uh, one of the, uh, the, the, the remaining bright spots of the mothership, as Dan Patrick calls them. I... I'd like to start the show off with something positive if I can find something. I don't want it to be, you know, I don't want it to be forced. There might be shows where we don't have one because there's just not enough good things in the world or Trace hasn't had enough time to find a, one that he thinks fits the bill. But I was uh, surfing the web. I came on a guy by the name of Alan. Let me make sure I get his name right here. Alan Wiley. Alan Wiley is a rising senior at Cleveland area's Westlake High School. All right. You might say, well, what's so special about Alan White? He's been blind at birth and he's taken up a broadcasting career. Now, if you read that headline, you're very much like me. Doesn't mean that I don't think that it's possible. But when you go into broadcasting, more times than not, when you broadcast, the main thing that you utilize while broadcasting is obviously your eyes and your sight. So I started to, I started to read this article. I was like, how is this even possible? Well, Alan Wiley grew up listening to Tom Hamilton. And he came to himself, he had a eureka moment, as he called it, that when he was listening to the game as a young boy, he thought to himself that he could do this. I'll get to that in a minute. You're still asking. I know you're asking the question as to why. But let me paint a picture really fast. He attended a Chicago-based play-by-play style broadcasting school, and he would then return back to his high school. In his sophomore year, he decided to take it up, finally got the courage to, to get behind the mic. He's a color analyst, which obviously makes it a little more understandable once you realize what he actually does. He listens to the play-by-play -play call. He then analyzes the play-by-play -play call. And then he's able to offer insight onto previous things that have not only happened in that specific game, but also perhaps the background in the careers of said players. This has happened so successfully that he's done football broadcasts and it led to an opportunity where he started to be able to call Lake County Captain Games. Now, you might say, what is a Lake County Captain? It's the high A affiliate of the Guardians. He's still in high school, mind you, calling 
minor league baseball games as a color analyst for the Lake County Captains. Um, if you're wondering what this sounds like, Casey has a clip, and I'm going to let him run it right now. Lead with a 2-2 to Watson. He'll hit a ground ball just past the second baseman. Spence for a base hit. Bartlett scores. Coming in is Fascia. And it's a two-run single for Khalil Watson. And we are tied at five. Well, we talked about this. Watson's first home game. You want to kind of get some momentum going. You know, great job. Perfectly placed ground ball just out of the outstretched arms. The second baseman brings two home. My friends, we get a whole different ball game. So here's the thing. Obviously, he's, he's young. And the biggest thing that I want to say is that we've come across many, 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 many high school broadcasters, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that it's really, you can see them start to blossom when their confidence becomes apparent. It's one of those things where, yes, the skill set might be there when they're doing it in the mirror. The skill set might be there when they're in their closed doors. But when they get behind the microphone, many maybe clam up get a little nervous, and that, that erodes away over time because you become more and more comfortable with what you're doing. The thing that made me love this story the most is the commitment that it takes from this young man to actually do the job. Whether you think he's good or whether you don't think he's good, that's irrelevant to my point. It's that this guy has a Braille, what we deemed as a computer, which seems like an oxymoronic statement. I don't know. I've never seen a Braille computer. I'm not sure how they work, but I had assumed that they... He types in what, he, what, he, what he's obviously thinking, and then it, it displays it or it gives him the opportunity to, to read it back. So what he does is he prepares, in broadcasting terms, he does backgrounds on all of the players so he can provide insight and give a little bit of color and depth to the broadcast when guys come up to plate, when they make a play in the infield. And his recall is said to be uh, unmatched. So I thought it was something that was really, really neat, something that was really, really cool. This was him signing off. He has one game left with the Lake County captains. That is tomorrow. But this is, this is him signing off on his first broadcast. And I would tell you, remind yourself that this kid is still in high school. Run the kit. And lastly, Alan, I have to thank you. Thank Alan you. Wiley for yeah. joining me for uh, the first time this season. He'll be here for six more games at least for the rest of this season. And did a great job in your first ever color commentary for baseball. Keep it going. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I love baseball. Baseball really got me into sports. And so to be able to kind of live out a childhood dream of mine, like I would fall asleep listening to Tom Hamilton calling games. And to be able to call a game with an affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians to me right now, is it's, it's just wonderful. And thank you to everyone that made this possible. So, listen, I thought he signed off relatively well. Where it goes from here, I don't know. Obviously, when, when you have a, a disability, um, it, you know, it's called a disability for a reason. He's certainly not going to have the same advantages uh, as somebody else that has vision to be able to watch the game and provide insight on things that they specifically saw. But, uh, but overall, I'm not even trying to be mushy about it. I'm not even trying to be like, oh, you know, this is a handout. You get an award. I thought he was actually pretty damn good, which is the only reason as to why I really brought this up. Yes, anyone that maybe be blind, they have a hobby. They think that, oh, yeah, I just want to be a broadcaster. They go out and they do it, and they're horrible. I, I guess my point is, is I don't know if that's as impressive as a guy that takes it this serious, has a computer, does background, and sounds, for, again, for a high school kid, signing off like that is not an easy thing to do. Reed, you've been, out, you've been around a lot of people. It's, I don't know if you've got a chance, people that have done broadcasting. I sure, guess. sure, sure. I guess we've all been around a lot of people. Right, um, right. 
I, I, am I making too much of it? I, I, and I know you're obviously not gonna you're not gonna poo poo on a, on a kid aspiring, but no, that's that's an, in, an incredible feat. In all, in all honesty, I mean, talk, thinking about what the job is as a broadcaster, it's to especially if you're doing radio and stuff like that, it is to show or paint a picture for those that can't see the game, and, and you're sitting there and you've never seen the game, and to be able to do it at such a high level is is an incredible. It truly is incredible. Yeah, and he has to be a color commentator. Let's be clear, right? I, I know people in the chat. Like I, I thought the same thing you did. I thought, what, what in the world? I mean, it's impossible. It's, yeah. it's literally impossible. So then I was like, how does this even make sense? Which is why I clicked on the article. For being completely honest, it had nothing to do with the fact. It had nothing to do with the fact that I thought this was going to be some lovely story. I was just like, this is impossible. I got to read it. Well, he's a color analyst. That 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 is the biggest probably takeaway from this that you have to understand before you start spewing at the mouth saying, "Well, that's impossible." He's a color analyst. He utilizes, uh, I, I guess, uh, all of his context clues in a way to be able to provide as much insight as he possibly can. Elliot, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say it's an awesome story. I think there should be. I mean, I, I obviously there there are there could be issues arising with with you know a blind person calling games, but I think. I think that opens the door for more people to do that. I think it's if, if you have the information, which he obviously does, and he's good at telling it, like Reed said, if he's a good storyteller, I think that opens the door for more people who are who can't see as, as good as the rest of us who are blind. It, give, it opens that door for him. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I thought his memory retention was the most impressive feat. Yeah. The fact that he can recall moments within the first inning just on a whim. Right. And he doesn't just do baseball. He does football, too, which is also pretty impressive. You know what I was saying? I asked you guys this before the show, and I was thinking to myself, how could you get to the highest of levels being blind and wanting to do broadcast? And I think that being a storyteller is, is what it has to be to a certain extent. You're not ever going to be, and I, I brought up John Schmoltz, uh, and, and there's a joke in there somewhere about Barry Larkin, but I won't get to it. Here's the thing. I... <laughs> I I genuinely believe that he could do a Jim Day type of job. Not saying what right. Jim Day does specifically, but a Jim Day type of role where he bounces in and out of the broadcast from time to time, provides like kind of a sideline type of story. Um, maybe there's even an instance to where he can do an interview um, because clearly, you know, he'd be capable of doing that. It's not like he has to see something that happens on a field to be able to give context to it. So anyway, best of luck to him. I thought it was a cool little story and it was much better than wanting to talk about the Cincinnati Reds and the platoon situation that we have going on right off the top of the show, which is probably where I want to go next. I seen something before we get into the platoon situation that kind of grinded my gears a little bit. Um, and I promised on, on myself yesterday um, I try to be self-critical uh, of me in the show and, 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 and how I uh, come across. I don't want to always be the guy that screams and yells in a microphone. That's going to be probably me a good amount of time because that's who I am naturally. And, and I'm not going to probably try to hinder myself from not being myself. However, I did see a tweet from Charlie Goldsmith who's coming on at 1115. This isn't a fault to Charlie. Charlie's just reporting. Please put this up here, Casey. And I'm going to read it out loud for those that are in podcast form. David Bell on Ellie De La Cruz getting caught at second base on the sacrifice fly. On a fly ball, David Bell says, to the outfield, there are a lot of missed opportunities for tagging up. It's a reaction where base runners get out too far. If you read that it's not a home run, we really encourage guys to break back and tag up. You can score a lot of runs that way. Okay. All right, David. This is where you lost me a little bit. 
that is a individual play for each individual player. This can't this whole blanket statement stuff of everybody's going to be aggressive, we're going to all be aggressive. And again, this is all in context, okay? In general terms, I know David Bell probably knows this. The issue is is that I think we keep harping back to, oh, we're an aggressive baseball team. Being aggressive doesn't allow you to being stupid. There's a difference. Okay, Ellie, Ellie's play yesterday was much closer to being aggressive than stupid, yes. But I, I, I don't want to keep... It's almost like the line is getting blurred a little bit with this whole aggression and, oh, it's okay to make mistakes because we just want to run the bases with reckless abandon. Well, there are times and situations. There's moments and times of games where, again... I know it requires high IQ. I know it requires having a baseball knowledge. And I know it requires somebody to be thinking at all times during a game. But it's something that you should take pride in as a baseball player. It's something that you should know of every situation that could possibly happen before the ball's hit. That's you, you, You're told that in Little League. But it's something as you grow older you should take more and more pride in. I need to know what I need to do on any situation. Most players at least most great players that I've come across, visualize all of the different things that could possibly happen right before they happen. They, In their mind, they honestly, they might not close their eyes, but they think to themselves, balls hit the third base, I'm going this way. Balls hit down the left field line, I need to do this. When you're on the bases, you check your outfielders, you try to figure out how deep they're playing, how shallow they're playing. If the ball's hit in front of me, can I get to third based off where the right fielder is right before the ball's hit? If it's hit into the corner, do I think I could tag up? All these things. I'm not saying Ellie doesn't do that. But what I am saying is that you should know in a situation as in yesterday, the offense is struggling, okay? I know you want to try to take extra bases when impossible, but if you're the fastest man in the world, I'd like to think that you can steal second base. What are the chances of taking second base against that right fielder yesterday versus you being able just to steal second base with a guy on third base? First and third, you steal second base. Sometimes the guys don't even throw down to second base. Now, am I trying to crush Ellie and am I trying to crush David Bell on that one specific play out of all the plays all year long? No, I'm not. But there's a time and a place for said plays. And I do agree generally that tagging up on balls in the outfield is not a bad idea. I actually think they should do more of that in Major League Baseball. And I'm, I'm assuming they will do more of that as time progresses. But that was a play, if you go back and watch it, that Ellie has to know that he didn't get a good jump. He didn't get a good jump. If you go back and watch it, he's not tagging up when the ball is caught. He's actually, his momentum is right before the back. If you get an opportunity to go back and watch it, and to be fair, maybe we should show you the clip, but we don't have that because I didn't ask Casey, and we don't want copyright infractions every single day on this show. But my main point is, is that if you don't get a good jump, you know that immediately. And unfortunately, Ellie just... You've never been in a game, and I know we all have. You've ever been doing something in life where, you, where, where, where here's what happened to Ellie, in my opinion. He knew he probably shouldn't have gone. He knew he kind of made a mistake probably three or four steps into that because he just didn't get the jump that I know that he inevitably, in his mind, knew that he should have gotten. And he just said, to hell with it. I'm going to go anyway because I've already committed. And you already know before you get to the end that you probably made a mistake. We've all done that in life. That's what I think happened to Ellie. Yeah, no, he, he definitely... I, 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 
admittedly didn't get to watch the game because I was out working at Harrison. So I watched the highlights, and it just seems like a bad baseball play. Like, just the fact that, you know, it's there's nobody out. That's the first out, the catches, and you're in a two-run game, and you're just having a chance to sacrifice. Listen, if you're the fastest player in baseball and you are thrown out at second base when the outfielder is on his back heel when he catches the ball. He, he, he does catch it on his back heel. He does a really good job. Will Brennan, the right fielder, does a really good job of transferring his weight, getting the ball into the infield, throws a nice one-hopper and gets Ellie out. But if, if you're the fastest player in baseball and you're tagging up on a right fielder, catching it on his back heel, and you're still out, you probably shouldn't go. And, you know, obviously I didn't get to see the second angle of him getting back to the base. And maybe he is safe if, if he's if he's waiting for it, ready to go. But, yeah, I mean, you just you just can't go in that situation. It, I think a couple people in the chat put, it's all situational. You've got you've to read the, the moment. And Ellie's probably gotten away with that play nine times out of ten. A hundred percent. But in a, in a game when you're playing for the most prestigious trophy in sports, the Ohio Cup, right. you, you, you've, you've got to stay at first base right there. Yeah, I think if you look at the differences between AAA and Major League Baseball is that a AAA outfielder is probably not going to make that play, ever. No AAA right fielder probably makes that play to throw Ellie out at second base. And I think Ellie was playing hero ball a little bit. The offense is dead. It's noticeably dead. The guys in the, and the, guys in the clubhouse know that. They know that the bats aren't working right now. Ellie was just trying to get second and third with one out, uh, trying to put runners in scoring position. I don't fault him for the, for the try, it just, it's one of those things where if, if he's safe there, it's John Sadak goes nuts, the city goes nuts. If he's out, it looks like the dumbest play in baseball history. And unfortunately, it looks like the dumbest play in baseball history. I, I think you've seen it with Ellie for, for a little bit now where it's just like he's kind of doing what, what his instincts are telling him, and that's at the plate, that's on the base path, that's pretty much everywhere, and it's starting to bite him a little bit. I still give I still give him the benefit of the benefit of the doubt, especially whatever's on the base path. Um, but if people have been saying it in the chat, and I kind of agree, when you're losing a game and, and you're only down two runs, every single base runner matters. And when you're taking that risk, you're going to hurt the team. You're going to hurt the team, and I and I think that's where the Reds are. It sucks. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't fault Ellie. I don't fault David Bell. I don't fault anybody. The Reds have been aggressive on the base path all season long. This, this isn't something new, right? I mean, it's part of the reason the Reds are here. Uh, it's part of the reason the Reds took the league by storm in June. It's because it was a, aggressive base running in, in, in situations like this. Getting guys over to second base, getting guys over to third base, stealing, tagging up, doing the, doing the small ball things right. So I don't fault anybody. It's just a bad play, and it's just the offense, right? I mean, if, if, if the Reds score a couple runs, that play is meaningless. But they got shut out. Yeah, and that's part of it, too. Obviously, frustration always mounts. Uh, mistakes are magnified. And they always say mistakes are magnified in the most big, you know, the biggest moments in, in, in your season. Certainly during playoff baseball, every single, every single out, every single play, more times than not, is, is magnified more. Why? Because it means more. And to your point, I think in a situation where your offense is struggling, some may say, hey, you got to get, you got to spark the offense. You got to try to do this. Well, the opposite approach, in my opinion, would be, you also don't want to be, you know, essentially the, the guy that comes with a big bucket of water and dumps out the, the small little small little smoke that you got on the, on the campfire yep. when you might actually have something going. I also, for those that want to crush David Bell in the platoon, I want to defend the platoon a, a little bit right here. Not a ton, but a little bit. The, the, the biggest opportunity the Reds had yesterday in starting to break open the game and score runs 
came in that situation. It came with Spencer Steer at the plate, an everyday player. Ellie De La Cruz at first base with an everyday player. I know that that one play, again, let's be very clear. The one play never decides a baseball game. It just doesn't. It doesn't. But that was a huge play. We can all admit that. And I just want to say that the platoon guys had nothing to do with that. Spencer Steer could have hit a double right there. Ellie could have scored from first. Spencer Steer could have hit a home run right there. Spencer Steer could have done a lot of different things. And to be, and again, I'm not. Spencer Steer's a great player. No problem there. But let's not also act like it was all because of Kevin Newman, Hopkins, Ramos, Stuart Fairchild. Those guys had nothing to do with that play. And I would argue that that was the play of the game, if you want to call it that, on the offensive side of the ball. Clearly, I'm not giving too much credence to the fact that those four guys. Again, you'd like to think that at some point here in the near future, and I'd like to give Nick Crawl a little bit more time to where in maybe one or two years, it's null void. We're not watching these guys play baseball anymore because there's other guys that are up here that are just better, and we have more everyday guys that, can, that, that don't have such dramatic splits to where we don't have to do the platoon thing as much as we do. I'm okay. I've come to the grips of understanding that we might have an outfielder that has a platoon type of role where you have two different outfielders that have different splits and they have reverse splits or whatever you want to call it against each other and they just play whoever's pitching, they get the start. And then they basically get subbed out as soon as there's a reliever that comes in with the opposite uh, handness as a pitcher. The thing is, is this. I don't want, and I know that I know that Nick Crawl doesn't want this. I know that the people that defend the platoon stuff don't want this. So I'm not even, this isn't me arguing the opposite side. You just can't have four guys that are like that. You can't, you can't have half your lineup on an everyday basis, being completely uplifted and, and unrooted because of two things. One, I do think defense matters. I do think defense matters. And I think playing every day defensively helps being a better defender. There's no doubt in my mind if I only got to play two, three days a week, like Stuart Fairchild, like Nixon's, or, well, Nixon's L, uh, RIP. But um, <laughs> what? I mean, that's the truth. I, is, do, do you think Nixon's L is going to play in, again, another game in a Reds uniform? I would venture to say that he probably doesn't. But anyway, Kevin Newman, another good example. I've been as critical of Kevin Newman as anybody, but it probably doesn't help Kevin Newman one iota to go out there and have to play defense when he hasn't played in a week. Now, you can make the argument that if you're an elite-level defender, it doesn't really matter a ton because there are guys that genuinely extended their careers for years because they came in as a defensive replacement at the end of the games. However, that's not who any of those guys are. So the biggest play of the game was three everyday players. Two of them specifically. Spencer Steer flew out to right. Wasn't a horrible at bat, but then obviously Ellie getting thrown out at second base. And there was one comment that was made that I'm sick and tired of hearing. And it's an analogy that I got to use. This blanket statement stuff has to go. It just does. I'm tired of hearing about, well, that's the type of baseball we want to play. What? What, what, what baseball are we talking about? We want, do we want to play? How about we just do this? You want to make a blanket statement? Let's make one blanket statement together. We want to play high IQ baseball. We want our guys to be the most knowledgeable baseball players there are in the game, and they know the time, they know the situation, and they know the score. And we think if they are high IQ players, they're going to make the right decision more times than night. Being aggressive is a great opportunity and a great play sometimes. Being conservative and making sure you don't you know, make a rally-killing mistake is okay and smart sometimes. The thing in life is the more you realize customizing things, getting things tailored, getting things in a specific fashion always cost more. And it's always the preferred option over a one size fits all, isn't it? 
Have you ever seen a tailored suit cost less than the big old block thing that you can get at some box store? No. Why? Because the tailored suit takes more time. It's more articulate. You have to actually think about it. And that's what I would like to think that you would want out of your baseball players. It's tailored. It's not one size fits all, Sam LeCure. You don't just automatically get to run wherever the hell you want to run at any time you want to run because they're young and they're energetic and they're fun. I'm tired of hearing the, I'm tired of hearing the narrative. Just, just, just relax and let them play and say it's a bad baseball play. If it's a bad baseball play, then let's say it's a bad baseball play. That's what Ellie made. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. But I don't want to sit here and defend these guys and sit here and continue to say that trying to tag up at first base in that situation yesterday was anything other than what Reed said it was. It was a bad baseball play. So that's that. All right. Do, do you actually think that the worst, the, the, the biggest play of the game was that Ellie De La Cruz tag up more than the Spencer Steer error? Um, well, I mean, controllables, controllables, the, the biggest play of the game was the play in right field, in my opinion. I don't know what, I get what you're coming from, but I would just, the argument back to that would be, what are you going to do? I mean, it's impossible to do anything for the play in left field, but I, 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 well, I think, I think we're giving Spencer Steer a little bit of leeway. If, if Stewie Fairchild or TJ Hopkins or, or, well, you didn't get a chance to see it, right? I saw the play. I mean, I, 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 watched well, the, I saw that the sun was in his eyes and everything like that. Yeah. But. Well, you're giving him leeway because he's borderline an all-star. He's done nothing but produce for this team. He's not a left fielder. He's playing left field because that's— I get why you give him leeway. I'm just— But it's— I, I'm saying that's still a bigger play than, than no, probably it's, Ellie's play. Yeah, it's, it's a brutal play. It's, 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 a hor- it's a horrific play in the outfield by a guy who shouldn't be in the outfield to begin with, but it has to play there because of the talent in the infield. So it's—yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lose-lose situation— uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame Spencer Steer for it. I don't. Are we, are we at all worried about the Reds defense going forward? Cause all yeah, three runs for a while, all three, all three runs were scored on errors. I mean, Spencer Steer, the, and then the hit scores two runs and then the, the third run scored on a TJ Hopkins error. The ball gets underneath his glove. Yeah. I, it, listen, I, I'm not saying that the defense is great, but yesterday you're not going to convince me that that's an error in left field. I, it's, it, it's, you, you, I, I, I personally, have have gone out there at that start time and even a 710 start time still not great but 640 is death in left field if you sit in the bleachers and or the left field seats i told myself genuinely told myself that i will never buy another ticket in the bleachers or left field for a start time at that time you don't even see the first two innings of the game unless there's a cloud you don't see the first two innings it's a joke it's a disgrace how you fix it i don't i mean i have a general idea how you could fix it i know it would take a lot of money you, you, you build some kind of like, you know, and I say wall, it needs to be, it needs to be in good taste, certainly, but it needs to be like this, this, this advertising thing that, that, that advertises outside the stadium that they strategically a put roof? there, not a roof, because it's really just the sun that's barely over top the last deck. Yep. And it is so impossible to see that it's a problem. It really is a problem. It's unfortunate the Reds were on the, the bad end of it because if, if, if it was another team, if the, if the Guardians yesterday would have had that situation happen to them, we would have never been talking about building up a wall. But it is a problem. And I'm not, I guess my point to your, your point is, is I'm not downplaying how big of a moment that was. But an accident is a little bit like of an accident. You can't really, you can't really scream and yell about something that is impossible to fix. Sure. It's it's possible to fix that you you can use your brain and not try to tag up from first base when the guy's got it in right field. And again, to be to give the Guardians credit, the guy did make a decent play in in right field. I'm not killing Ellie. It's just a time and a place. There's a time and a place. Fair enough. Build the wall. Have Kentucky pay for it. 
I mean, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I feel like that's something that you could. I feel like that's something you could run on. But Elliot, you got something else to add? Or are you good? No, I was gonna say I was gonna go back to the platoon thing if that's okay. I I was I got the I saw the lineup yesterday. I was still here. I was at work. I was gonna say something, but I'm like, you know what? It's worked up until this point. Let's give David Bell one more shot at it. It's not working. It, the platoon thing is no longer working. It has worked this season. It objectively worked. It objectively worked when we had Jake Fraley out there. It is not working with TJ Hopkins, uh, Ramos, Kevin Newman. Kevin Newman is, by the way, 9 for 48 and it, since, since, since late June, I believe that's, since like June 22nd. 9 for 48, I believe, Kevin Newman at the plate. It's just not working at this point. I want Joey Votto in the lineup. I want Will Benson in the lineup. If, if they strike out, if they strike out three times, if it's Golden Sombrero City for those guys, fine. But at least I know, like, I can go to sleep knowing that these guys are, are, are the better players and they're just getting reps against lefties. If you don't want to play Joey Votto, who has been objectively bad against left-handed pitching, objectively, one of the worst on the team, maybe the worst on the team against lefties, if you want to, if you want to take Votto away, fine. Will Benson is an everyday player. Will Benson came in last night and gave the best at-bat of the night. So it's he like the off the bench. And, and Reed has been saying it all year. Will Benson gives the best It was against a righty, though. It was against a righty. It's against a righty. But I'm saying if you can do it against a righty, I, I believe in your confidence. I believe in your ability to do it against the lefty at some point. So I would, I would take my chances with him over TJ Hopkins every single day of the week. Every single day. And it's not close. I, when, when Jonathan Indy comes back, when Jake Fraley comes back, Hopefully we don't have to see this any longer. We can, you know, you play it the way you've played it in mid-June when you went on the run. But it's brutal to watch. I mean, it's brutal to watch right now. It's not working. Having four spots in the lineup just be guys who can't play baseball is tough. Well, it's tough. I, here's the thing that, that I was trying to, 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 to paint a picture of yesterday. There are three guys on this team that play every day. That and I say every day. Tyler Stevenson's probably the closest guy to, that doesn't play every day. But for for the lar large majority of the season, Tyler Stevenson has gotten pretty significant amount of at bats. Their splits versus left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching is so dramatic that I think it skews the actual ultimate splits that you get that people want to take screenshots of when you say the whole lefty platoon thing doesn't work because statistically speaking, the Reds do hit left-handed pitching better than right-handed pitching. So then they point to that and they say, well, how can you say that this platoon thing isn't working? Well, when Matt McLean's hitting literally like 50 points above left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching, Spencer Steer's hitting like 50 points above what he normally was against left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching. Those two guys in and of themselves are skewing those numbers so significantly that I'm not totally convinced, I guess, that the platoon guys are making that big of an impact when you factor in the defense. Now, again, I, I'm willing to put my hand up and say I, I could be off base on this. But something has to be said about what you lose defensively when you actually replace half the lineup with these guys that don't get a chance to play a lot. We don't face left-handed pitching all that often, thank God. There's not as many left-handers in the world as there are right-handers, and more times than not, there's a right-hander that's going to throw. So Kevin Newman, uh, Stuart Fairchild, Nixon Zell, RIP, they didn't get, they didn't get as many chances to play, a, to play as many games as the guys that are platooning versus right-handed pitching, like Jake Fraley. Joey Votto, perhaps. But when they got... Listen, Kevin Newman, Nick Senzel, Hopkins, all being in the lineup, and I know yesterday they weren't, defensively in and of itself is, 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 a, is a, such a downgrade that I don't know how many points they're worth at the plate. That's a, that's a debate for another day. 
We'll see. Charlie's coming on at 11.15. And uh, I'm going to ask him some, some pointed questions about the Cincinnati Reds and his thoughts on that and what he feels like he has in the clubhouse. And then I'm going to ask him a couple questions about the Bengals because I know many of you probably are interested in the Cincinnati Bengals as well. Speaking of the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the fact of the matter is, is he is the odds-on favorite at some sports books. This is a fact. This isn't hyperbole. This is a fact. Mm -hmm. He is the odds-on favorite to win the league MVP. There's no way in the world, there's no way in the world that the books don't know something. There's no way. There's, I mean, why would he change from being, again, the not, not the favorite to win the MVP to being the favorite in the MVP? Oh, by the way, Jamar Chase, the favorite to win Offensive Player of the Year. He, he's got the best wide receiving crew, and the one thing that has always pushed him back is he didn't have a good line, and they got the, the best offensive lineman in free agency. So it, it's, it's not... Shocking that he's the number, the, the odds on favorite. I personally, I know you guys give me crap for this all the time. I wouldn't have him as the lowest odds if I was given odds out for the MVP. There's a certain guy that I think is maybe the greatest quarterback of all time still playing in the league. Gross. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. He's 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 fantastic. The, the, the Bengals are going to be good for a long time. The, the window is his career. Fully believe all these things. And I fully believe that Joe Burrow will win – an MVP at some point in his career. 100% believe that. Maybe it's this year. I think Joe Burrow is going to win an MVP at some point. I don't think it's going to be this year, but I do think it will happen eventually. So I, and by the way, Vegas does always know. Vegas always knows every single time. Every single time you side with Vegas. The Reds win total. We got them. We got Vegas. That's the first time the Reds have ever gotten Vegas. Not yet. It, Not yeah. yet. Okay. All right, Sticky. <laughs> Not but it's, yet. No, but it's... Yeah, I, I think Burrow, if, if, the, if the Bengals are going to win a Super Bowl this year, it's going to have to be because of Burrow. I firmly believe that. So, let's go Burrow. Yeah. I, what, what has changed? I don't know if Casey, you obviously are, the, are mostly the resident NFL expert. If you, if, I don't know if you're going to take that title, but it's the one that I give from time to time because you know more about obscure players in the NFL than anyone in this office. What, what has changed, if anything, in your mind, as to why some sports books would make that change. I, I don't know if there was large sums of money that were being put on Joe Burrow. Maybe that's what it was. But at the end of it, this guy hasn't played a single snap in preseason, which he's not done in the past as well. And he's had pretty good years. Uh, what do you make of it, if anything? Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't. I, there's nothing that's happened, in my opinion, that would suggest the reason has to move other than money. Um, the, I would say the three odds on or the four odds on favorites are They're all Joe, Mahomes, Hertz, and uh, Allen, probably. Yeah. yeah, yep. And there's nothing in camp that's really suggested that, of course, that Burrow's done any significant improvement because he's not played. Mahomes, I've only seen good things about their offense, and Justin Ross seems to be taking over that maybe that number one receiving threat on that team, which would just be devastating for that, uh, for the AFC, if that were to happen. Um, Jalen Hurts looks as good as ever. Josh Allen. Now, the Josh Allen thing, um, that is concerning. I don't think they've really figured out what's going on there with the Stephon Diggs and that, that relationship. Yeah, but we broke, um, we broke them. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I would have to probably think that it's money. 
Well, do you Based think? Do you think it's? Do you think it's because? And we were talking a little bit about this before the show. The backup quarterbacks for the Bengals right now, and Simeon and Browning, they looked atrocious. Yeah, they looked really how, bad. How many games do the Bengals win if Joe Burrow doesn't play this season? Ooh, six. Yeah, most. seven. Most. So maybe it's because of that, right? I mean, the Bengals have legitimately zero chance without Joe Burrow. Are we? Are we worried about? Because I I read that piece from James Rapine about how bad Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon look in practice and in the in the Packers game and in these uh you know these joint practices with teams. They looked so bad that, like, obviously James Rapine wrote a piece about it. it. Is that hurting the defense? Because obviously ones play on one sometimes, and they're 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 not getting you know the, the reps against one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm I'm worried that <laughs> Joe being gone for for four weeks of the preseason, and I'm reading too into this. I understand that, but it it is a little bit of concern that these guys aren't getting enough reps against you know one of the best arms, one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best leaders in this league, and the chemistry that, that can go with that and all these things. I, I'm a little concerned about that. I, I'll admit that. Yeah, I mean, we still have time before week one. I mean, Joe Burrow could come back and get a full week of practice in, and they'd be fine. Well, yeah, then they're um, Super Bowl winners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not concerned with – I think Joe Burrow has legit probably the first or second best chance to win MVP. This team is the best it's been since he's come into the league. Best offensive line he's ever had. It's probably one of the most underrated defenses he's ever had as well. Um, I, I have a very strong take that I think they're going to be just fine on defense. They might even be better because mm. they added depth on the defensive line, and that, that matters. Um, I think DJ Turner is also um, showing to be a very capable second um, corner in this team. So I'm uh, – very excited for this team. I think uh, they also have the highest potential win total according to PFF, which if you do any uh, – if you like that sort of stuff, that analytical thinking that they have, um, that might have also swayed the, the numbers as well just because, just because of that. You know? yeah, Casey, and, Casey's right. It's probably just money. It's probably just a lot of people are putting money on I, I don't know. I, I, I think some of it is the fact that – listen, I – if you play on a really good team, a la Patrick Mahomes, then more times than not, you win You win the trophy. I mean, that is a part of it. I mean, MVPs, even though you might be the best player in the league, if your team wins six games, it's hard to make a case that you're the best player in the league, even though you might be. Uh, for those that are wondering what those odds look like, um, Joe Burrow was, was uh, plus 600. Patrick Mahomes was plus 650. Josh Allen, plus 750. Herbert. Comes in fourth at uh, plus eleven hundred, and then Jalen Hurts is tied at that same number at plus eleven hundred. On, on Betfred's, the numbers pretty similar. Very, very similar. Yes, I, I was looking at the ones that were obviously updated in regards to him being the favorite. Currently on Betfred this morning, uh, Joe Burrow is still at plus seven hundred, so you get much better value at Betfred as always than you would at this place. So here's the thing with that. I was thinking about this this morning. I know everyone always tries to game the system. They try to beat Vegas. They're like, well, there's a way to do it. You can manipulate this. You could do that. I actually think, and man, I, I, uh, we can clip this up later and say, man, I'm glad we didn't do it. Well, if I look at it and you're telling me that I get Joe Burrow at plus 600 odds and then, my, and, and then I can go all the way down to five and I get up to plus 1,100, it means that I can pick six guys and then at least break even if any of those six guys wins. Mm -hmm. If not, right. that's, oh, that's only if Joe Burrow were to win. If Joe yeah. Burrow were to win, I break even. If anyone else wins... Then I, then I actually money. win money. 
Right. Um, now, I know that that's a long hold. I know that many people probably don't want to put money in the sportsbook app and then bet on it and then have to wait, you know, but it was basically, what, seven months, eight months to get paid out. I understand that. But if you're telling me right now that someone has to win the MVP outside of Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, I guess you could tell me Trevor Lawrence is a scare. Maybe Justin Fields is the guy that many of you think. You clearly know if you've watched this show or know anything about me that I don't think that that's even one, one second of a worry for me. But maybe that's the way that you could argue that this isn't an automatic slam dunk. But that, to me, looks like a slam dunk. I don't see how any of those guys don't win the MVP. Trace, I'm looking at Betfred Sportsbook odds on, on MVP. Yes. We talked a lot about running backs yesterday. You want to know what the race? No, 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 no. You want to know how many players you have to go down the list to get the first running back? You want to take a guess? You want to take a gander? This has nothing to do with the argument. I'm going to go 20. He's saying 20. You want to take a guess? 26. Case? 30. 33. Bailey Zappi has better MVP odds than Christian McCaffrey, the first running back to. And what's your point? All Nothing. That. I'm just. I'm just saying that that it's just funny. We talk right. a lot about running backs in this league, and mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi has better odds right. to win the MVP. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, right. Ryan quarterback, Tannehill. quarterback, quarterback, what quarterback, receivers? quarterback. There's, there's only well, that was a backup quarterback. Wasn't there, it? Yeah, there's only there's only one receiver that is also listed in front of um, Christian McCaffrey. That's Justin Jefferson. Oh, so one one other position player. So there's 30 oh, 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 really? Uh, one other position player above a running back. That's weird. Because here's the weird thing about that. <laughs> I wasn't the one here's the weird about thing about that award. It's, it's a league. quarterback award. Why don't we just change the name of it? Why don't we just change the name of it? We all know what it is. It's a quarterback award. Well, they're the most valuable player on the field, so it makes sense. I mean, could you imagine sitting here telling me, hey, I looked at the Cy Young odds the other day, and uh, there, there, there's no other position besides the pitcher. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's because it's a quarterback award. The MVP in the NFL is a quarterback award until otherwise. What was the, I, I guess here's a, here's fun, here's a fun fact. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't even know this. This could make me look like a fool. It could make me look like a genius. When was the last non-quarterback MVP in this league, and who was it? Oh. AP? Yeah, it was Adrian Peterson. Oh, it was. It was. <laughs> it was. It was a running back. Yeah, it was a running back. Damn, it was a running back. That's weird. I think. I don't know. I think. I think there's only been three positions that have won the MVP. All right. Well, actually, I think like a kicker won it one year. Yep. I think a kicker won like won it in the eighties. So uh, Lawrence Taylor won it, right? LT won it on yeah. the defensive side. Hit us with it, Casey. So there has been there has been quarterbacks, running backs, kickers, defensive tackle, fullbacks. Are we in the thirties? Are we in the thirties? What 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 year? When did a kicker win? If you are wanting the Super Bowl era, it is what I just listed. Fullbacks. Can you tell me the kicker that won? The kicker that won was Mark Mosley okay. from the Redskins. Well, don't say that. Oh, my God. Casey. Oh, my God. Casey. Oh, no. Oh, no. Am I getting canceled <laughs> already? Casey. <laughs> oh, no. Someone just take it. All right. Sorry. Um, kid show. We apologize. All right. Here's the thing. I'll laugh at the kid show. That's a good bit. <laughs> 
Uh, again, as a reminder, for those that are wondering, Charlie does come on this show here in just short time. And you know what? I'll tell you this. If you have, if you have some insightful question that you think that we should ask Charlie when he comes on, please put it in the chat. Casey will keep an eye on him and maybe, maybe, maybe Casey can ask the chat question of the day. I think that should be a new thing. I feel like the chat should be involved with the show. The chat gets to talk to the big J journalist, right? Charlie, big time, yep. big time, Timmy Jim. Mm -hmm. You remember that commercial? It's a good commercial. Yeah. Um, RIP Tim Lincecum. Yep. A lot of RIPs today. We need, to, we need to slow down on the RIPs. So here's the thing. I'm going to, uh, before we get into Charlie, here's the plan for tomorrow. These guys have no clue this is coming. They don't even know what's going on. I don't. Tomorrow, uh, me and Elliot are going to go play nine holes. We're going to film it. We're going to edit it up. And we're going to edit it as fast as we can. Elliot thinks we should take our time, make it really, really nice, put it out on socials. I think that's fine. We just got to be poker-faced in here to where people that watch the show every day don't know who actually won. I think that's going to be difficult, especially considering when Elliot, if Elliot were to win, I don't know if Elliot's won enough things in his life to be able to hold that in. We'll mm. see. We'll see. Mm. Um, but tomorrow, we're going to go play in the morning, okay, which requires us to not do this show. We will be back Friday, okay? I can promise you that. The other part of that is this. I was thinking... I know many of you think that this is a dream job, and it very much is. I'm not downplaying what we do on an everyday basis. We, we, we live an unbelievable life. We come into work. We talk about sports. We, we, we you know, basically cut things up. We have, to, we have to try to do our best to, to, to live on social media, which, to be honest with you, if, if we're being really, really, really plain, cut and dry, it's not, it's not my favorite thing. It's not my favorite thing. I mean, if I, could just, if I could just delete social media and just never have to look at it again, I, I think I could do that. I really do. But that's not really part of the job yet. That, that's, that's it's part of it, right? You can't have the good and only the good. You got to take the bad with it. Some of the bad is social media. Some of the bad is obviously some of the hours, if we're being honest. So for many of you, you may not know this. We are going to start doing uh, something called Chatterbox Bingles, which is very similar to Chatterbox Reds. When is that launch? Are we going to make that announcement soon? We were going to make that announcement today. Beautiful. Oh, today. Yep. We're going to make that announcement today. Casey, if you have if you have that um, graphic that you've been working on readily uh, available, you want me to just play the video? Then I guess I guess we have a video. News flash to me. Chatterbox Bingles. <laughs> Here's the video. Those are the hosts. Those are the hosts, too. Those Just are Eric. the hosts. If you guys are familiar with Twitter spaces, Game On 513 does a Bengals Twitter space, literally, or X space. X space. Pretty much every day. And then Just Eric and Parker Blake, along with, with Game On 513, are phenomenal voices in the Bengals community. And those are going to be the hosts of Chatterbox Bengals. They'll be live every Bengals game. And they start this Friday. This Friday, you heard it here first. This Friday, we'll obviously put that out on socials. This Friday, just Eric got a chance to talk to Helm, Parker Blake, and also Game On. They are excited. They are very, very excited. We, we, we've been working behind the scenes to get them equipment, make sure that they look uh, and feel as good as they possibly can. It'll obviously be a new learning curve for, for many of them. It'll take a little bit of time to get their feet wet, but I'm sure that after maybe a preseason game or two, they'll be... They'll be in midseason form early in the season. And here's the thing that I want to bring up with that, right? 
we we are going to work a lot of hours. That's just part of it. That's part of the job here. So you, you basically, not only do you have to watch all the games, which again, we know we watch all the games. That's part of life in general. But not only do you have to watch the games and you have to produce the shows right after, a lot of weekend hours. We also doing the uh, the Bearcat Bash, which is not called the Bearcat Bash. I take that all back, redact <laughs> that from history. It's actually called the Bash on Short Vine. Uh, so the Chatterbox Sports Bash on Short Vine. We have uh, a UC tailgate down in Clifton, which oddly enough, as named, is on Short Vine right there. If you're familiar with that area, Mio's Pizza all the way down to that Kroger area. We block off the street. Uh, I've been working for the past two months to get permits and all the fun things that it required to do all those things, you know, ordering portalettes and you know, basically running a full-fledged event. And uh, we have that ready to roll. September 2nd, Eastern Kentucky comes into town to play the, the mighty Bearcats that are Cincinnati in football. And uh, we will be doing that, and we'll have more and more information on that as we get closer. But again, as a reminder, Chatterbox Bengals live after every game. They're going to start this Friday after their uh, preseason game. So, also, I was thinking to myself, we work a lot. We need to do something fun. We don't do a lot of fun things around here together. We do some things, but we don't do enough. I, I genuinely don't know if these guys like Kings Island or don't like Kings Island. Hmm. But I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna buy Kings Island passes for these guys for the day tomorrow. Oh wow! So we're gonna go. We're we're gonna go. I know I I, I was trying to probe Casey on what the hell he had going on tomorrow. Casey's unfortunately his wife uh, obviously had knee surgery, so he's been tending to her. He has a little bit of a reprieve, I know, but I want him to be back obviously before uh, before she gets home from rehab. I think is is uh, not to get into all your personal business, but nonetheless. The goal is tomorrow, we're still going to do some content, though, because I think that would be actually somewhat funny. So, yes, I do want to enjoy the day at Kings Island. We could be happy-go-lucky, but I definitely want to take some of the, the cameras that we have around here and uh, see if we can't find a way to do some content. I don't know. I don't have no idea how you guys even feel about this. Are you guys are you guys roller coaster fans? We'll start there. We'll go around the room. And if so, favorite thing about Kings Island? Yeah, so I do like Kings Island. Now, I, there, there was a point, I think, eighth grade, summer, freshman year, there was a point where I was not into roller coasters. I, I think it was our eighth grade summer field trip. We went there, and I was I what I would do. I would get I would get in line with my buddies, and I'd wait till they got on, and I just you know walk across the roller coaster, wait till they got off, and I go to the next one. It was fun for me. But what happened one time was my buddy locked me in the chair before I could get across the roller coaster. So and I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna be the guy where it's like all right, while well, my whole class is on the roller coaster with me. Hey, can you please let me off? I would rather die than stay on this roller coaster. So I stayed on, I got locked in. And ever since that moment, I have loved Kings Island. I have loved the Diamondback. Diamondback still my favorite ride. I have not tried the new one. The Orion. Big, Orion. Great ride. A great ride. I love the Banshee. I love Delirium. I love, I love just about every ride. I won't do the, the, the big swing wind seeker. Haven't done I, that one either. And I won't do drop, drop zone, drop tower, just because they get stuck up top half the time. But every other ride, I love Kings Island. I love going. Halloween haunts, electric. I'm very excited. Trace just threw this on me. I'm, I'm pumped. Could you imagine a, Z a zebra zillionaires on the top of a roller coaster? Because that's what you're going to get tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a lot. I don't, by the way, I don't know what the rules of filming are there. Well, they certainly, let's, let's keep <laughs> it, let's keep it on the DL because okay. they certainly don't want you to be filming certainly with any okay. kind of, they don't even want you to pull your phone out, but you know, this is, this comes from a guy that dropped his phone from the Banshee. Yeah. It was in my pocket. It wasn't like I was holding it. But, I mean, I, I guess teach their own. If I was holding it, they wouldn't have known. But that's, that's, that's you your own bit. Do you, I did get it back. back. You remember? I mean, we did this whole bit. I don't know. Well, if I wasn't here. Oh, you weren't here. 
Well, I'll fill you in. I'll clue you in. I'll clue you in. I'll clue you in, as you say. Go do ahead, think, Reed. Do we think that Kings Island actually doesn't want you to film, or do you think they just like don't want you to have a loose item in their hands while you're going to ride a roller coaster? Because I think it's the latter. It's it's definitely they, the latter. They don't give two shits if you if you take a, a Get recording. Show. Yes. Sorry. I've been yeah, a, lot a lot of, of cursing on the show from Reed. A lot of cursing. I'm hanging out this West Sider over here, this Altiora grad, and he's just beating it out of me. But uh, yeah, I don't think they care if you film. They just don't want loose items on on the roller. I love Kings Island. I love it. Went all the time as a kid. Actually, uh, I got kicked out of Kings Island when I was a kid one time, <laughs> one and I was time. banned for a year. I was banned for a year. We had Kings Island passes when we were a kid. I actually got a Kings Island pass this year for my birthday. My wife bought that for me. We've used it a couple times. Been a lot of fun. But when I was a kid, color me shocked. When I was a kid, we were getting on the um, Miami Whitewater rafting, whatever that is. Oh, yeah. Whitewater rafting. Yep, yep, yep. And you know how they have, like, that carousel when you're getting on, like, the, the spinning thing? Correct. Well, we get off the ride, and us being 14-year-old jack wagons, we just don't get off, and we're just going to ride the, the spinning thing. Mm. We're going to ride the spinning thing. Well, they have, like, a little gate at the end of the, the carousel, and it's like a safety measure. And we're just riding it and being jack wagons looking at each other like, hey, we ain't going to move. We ain't going to get off this ride. And we hit this gate. It completely stops the ride. It is a safety measure that completely stops the ride. And we didn't fully realize what was going on. We just see people scrambling, freaking out. So we get the heck out of Dodge. We, we exit the ride and go. And as we're leaving Miami Whitewater and there's that long line, we see a couple of young girls. So we wave at them, start, start uh, rizzing them up, and they said, come on, come ride with us. So we get back in line with these young girls, and by the time we get to the front of the line, they go, these guys are the guys, like the, the workers recognized us immediately, and they said, you guys got to stay right here and put us into a corner. And then they took us to this, uh, this special room and had a talk with us and tell, told us that our, our passes are revoked and we're not allowed to come in for a year. The funniest thing that happened is, is we're sitting in this room, and there's six or seven of us. And they bring this one kid in. He's, he's wearing leather jacket, leather pants. He, he looked like he was a lot different than us. And he walks in, and, and they sit him down, you know, very a lot rougher with him than they were with us. And I look at him, and I go, so what are you in for? <laughs> he, he's like, ah, I was shoplifting the, the store. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I stopped the ride, pressed the button. <laughs> and, yeah, that was, the, that was the story of me getting kicked out of King's Island for a year. Reed Mouse. Been in a lot of trouble. Known victim. I, 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 it doesn't shock me. I mean, it really doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me at all. Doesn't let, it doesn't look good for the Baden, the Baden community there. That's, nope. that's not a good look for oh, you. No. Not a good look. You're starting the Baden-Hamilton stuff up here on No, Wednesday. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all. Um, just so we know, there is a poll question right now that Casey put in the chat. He said, the Chatterbox show next, should it be a Buckeyes or Xavier show? Our demographic. Yeah, what the demographic is. We don't do a whole lot of demographic questions on here, so that. All right. Fair enough. Um, where was I going to go with Kings Island? All right, Casey. I think we should at least end with uh, not end, but at least I, 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 before I before I get too far, you're 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 the wild card in this whole thing. I don't know. I got a story to tell, depending on how you feel about Kings Island. I, I got two different ways to go about this, but go ahead. What, what's what's your thoughts on Kings Island? I mean, I like Kings Island. Um, it's been fun for me as a kid. I used to get gold passes all the time. Um, I have not rode the last two new ones. So that's Orion and... Diamondback? 
Banshee. 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 Actually, I might have rode Banshee. Have you? Is that the have you, blue drink that they had out in the front of it? It's over by like. Uh, he's saying he's he's Banshee he's, is by Delirium. Yeah. It's blue and it does yeah. like a little. Yeah. It's like eight yeah. flips. Okay, so yeah. uh, yes, it's I have rode that much. one time, and I've not rode Orion yet. Um, I enjoy roller coasters quite a bit, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten more nauseous as mm. I ride rides. I agree. So I don't know what that the deal is with that, but I like riding roller coasters. Fl- Flight so. of Fear beats the crap out of you now. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of Flight of Fear. Fear. No. Or they got rid of Firebird. 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 Firehawk. 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 I mean, come Sorry. on. Don't disrespect Sorry. Firehawk. <laughs> and the Vortex. I have not been there since they got rid of the Vortex. Wow. That, wow. Vortex is a long, long time ago. I mean, if, if you've not ridden... You've ridden the Diamondback. It's like two years. Yeah. Vortex has been gone for like two years. Vortex has been gone for, I feel like, a while. Anyways, I, I, still, I still believe a couple things that are true at King's Island. I think that the Beast at Night <clears throat> is still the, uh, the most elite ride there is at the park. I still think that the Beast rivals all the other rides. However, there's something about the Beast that that's still maybe it's nostalgic for me. So I I, I do want to harken back and saying that I could understand why people think that the Beast isn't that great. But there's something about that second hill, that bank turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just elite. That's it's yeah. it's, it's elite. I could only that? imagine. Could you imagine? And you visualize. And maybe some in the chat have done this. I could only imagine. In 1980, 1982, roller coasters really probably at that point there was no there was no Diamondbacks there was no Orion. I mean, could you imagine? Never have seen this before. And hit it in that bank turn, you had to think that you were going to die. I I still think I'm going to (laughs) die. I think it gets wor- it gets scarier as each year passes. You literally think you're gonna flip over the thing, and you're just gonna and you're just gonna. There's just no chance. I still believe that. I I I still ride the beast, but it does scare me now. Like not even for like the thrill of it, but you act. I I'm concerned. There's actually like safety issues there. The son of the beast, which was because of the beast, they had to close that one down. I think. Did somebody die on that one? No, no, no. I think they were getting they were getting some lawsuits over over medical situations that were happening based off of back and neck problems. Yeah, the wood, but the wooden roller coasters. That's I mean, their time is up. The yeah, racer, the racer yeah. is still there, isn't the racer I agree. still there? I the agree. racers actually got retracked. The beast got retracked. Oh. So I'm not suggesting that they're smooth. I'm not suggesting that they're unbelievably, you know, like like. You get on the Diamondback, you get on Orion. It's a whole. It's just. It's just another level. Okay. You want to talk about buttery, buttery smooth? That's like the the smoothest ride you could take is Orion. Yeah. I mean, I almost think. Part of me thinks that I wish it was a little less smooth because it's just like it doesn't even feel real when you're on it. And it, and, I, and I kind of as stupid as it sounds, maybe it's a, maybe it's a personal problem. I kind of like the fear. After you get off, you're like, man, that was exhilarating. Like I thought I might die. I mean, <laughs> I I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, now, I, don't, I don't like the exhilaration of death. Like, that's not one that... Well, that I don't want to die, to be clear. Well, yeah, but it just sounds like you did, though. There's well, worse when, ways. When, it when, sounds when, like you did want to die. There's worse ways to go when, than just when, flying off a roller coaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Reed's not the guy you want to talk to when it's talking about death. Reed, Reed, has a, Reed has a wish list of the ways that he dies. And I want to go At the top of the list, I'll let you share it. At the top of the list is what? I, I, if, I would, if I could pick a way to die, it's 100% going down in an airplane. I want it to be quick. I want people to remember. Quick? I, Brother, yeah. that's a 15-minute flight down. Oh, no. It's, that's a 15-minute flight down, it's, and it's everybody screaming. Yeah, and then you what die. A horrible death. And then you die. There's no pain. There's no pain or anything like that. No I want pain. Pe- I want people to say, 
Like, oh man, Reed died? How'd he die? Oh, airplane crash. Or, oh, he flew off the beast. Like, I That's want, so I, much worse than my master's take that I can win the master's in 10 years. That's so much worse. That's a 20-minute flight. You're going down. The pilot's How are you going to tell me everybody's, something that is impossible is a worse take than my, than my opinion? Everybody's, everybody's <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs and Reed's like, ooh, and that's terrible. You can't do that. That's I, horrible. I, if, if you're asking me if I'd rather if I'd rather go down in an airplane or some disease that takes takes a year to, to finally get me, give me give me the two minutes and the the, the quick descent from the airplane. Fair enough. All right, we'll we'll, we'll cut back from uh, the morbid talk. But what I was trying to say before we got <laughs> to that situation was that I do like the idea of feeling like exhilarating that that, that the ride is is scary. I don't want it to go wrong, but I just assume, again, I'm making a huge assumption, and this is probably a bad thing to do. I got a huge wooden desk, which is a good thing here. I would assume that a ride that's been going since 1979 or whatever whatever year it was yep. when it was built, I I mean, the statistical chances of me being on the ride where, where it all ends yeah. is it's just very, very low. So yeah. I do assume as I'm going around that bank turn in that tunnel and I put my hands up, I assume that I'm not going to get my arm ripped off, but... I like the idea of yeah. thinking that it that it's possible. It, it, it seems more likely than than a, a, no offense. The Orion is so smooth that it's like I just. I mean, it, it is a little bit of a thrill. But again, the beast for me still sits at the top. You know, you know. About, that, sorry, I was gonna say Natty Ron wants to talk about sports. Yes, the he most does. Rig, of course, the, the most rigged thing at Kings Island is the basketball three point contest. Oh, I have yes, it I is. have unloaded. 100%. I have unloaded thousands upon thousands of dollars to try to win that game. I can't win it. It's imp- I will pay. I will pay a hundred dollars to watch it? Trace go. Out. You, you know what I'm shooting, talking about? Shooting basketball. Oh it's no, the three point. The con- three point contest. Uh, very different. It's very different than the one with the big long nets. It's an actual yes. basketball court. It sits. It was right by the. It is. Uh, I would pay thousands to watch you try that, and you could never do it. You would never get three. You have to get what? 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 what I, I. You shoot uh, to, to paint a picture. We'll have content on this. I'll. I'll do it if it's open. The beautiful thing well, is tomorrow. The, I don't know though. Tomorrow. It's uh, this is the last week that they're open during the week, which is why I made this executive decision to do this really, really fast. So out outside of this week, it's only weekends only from now on at Kings Island. I'm hoping I could be completely wrong. Kids are back in school. We go tomorrow right around whatever noon, call it noon or somewhere around there, twelve thirty, one o'clock. Yeah, I'm assuming that there's the, 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 these lines can't be that long. I mean, it's one o'clock on a Thursday. School's back in session. Mm-hmm. People are working. It should be an elite time at Kings Island. I would think. Could be wrong, but to your point, what do you actually have to do? You shoot in all of the three-point contest spots, yep, or is it exact, only three spots? Yeah, it's, it's, exactly three, what, it's three spots, but yeah. Right. Corner, yeah. top of the key, and corner. Yeah. Okay, and you and you get how many balls, and what do you do? It's like four or five. I think it's five balls, and okay. you got to make. I think ten is like ten wins, like a PlayStation. If you shoot perfect, you win like a hundred grand, but you'll never make it. You'll never. If you make one, I think you get a little teddy bear. Fair. Do you, do you know what I think it is, though? And we're going to move on to sports because Ronnie's yelling at us. I think, it's the, I think what gets people is I think they make that hoop, and I've walked past it a thousand times, it feels like. I think they make that hoop nine feet. I, I, I don't they make think that's... They, the they make it a little smaller, and they make it very stiff. Okay. That, that game, though, I don't know if the rim's stiff. I just think that the, I think that the hoop's lower, and people just assume they've got to shoot much farther than it really is, and it takes them three or four or five shots to get to get in rhythm to realize that, oh, this isn't really regulation size, which brings me to Happy Gilmore. What time are we golfing tomorrow, then? Tomorrow, uh, 9.50. Oh, we are golfing at 9.50? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we're still doing it. 
I well, okay. Well, the last time I heard it was at. It, it was. I, I made an executive decision this morning and moved some things around. Okay. All right. I respect it. I'm ready to roll. Okay. All right. I don't play my best in the morning, but I, I wish I was told that. I, I don't really know. Oh, here we go. Oh, well, I'm God. just saying, I, I, yeah. if you had to tell me what time, oh, well, I'm just saying, if you had to tell me what time to pick, it wouldn't be that, it would just wouldn't be in the morning. It would be in the oh, afternoon. Yeah. The body's ready to roll. Get I get all my costs out. I had out. so much get faith in you, Elliot, until just now. Now I have all the faith in the world Trace is going to just that was, that, that, was well, I, that, that just ruined it. Elliot. It's going to look really bad for Trace when I'm still yawning on the fourth hole. It, because you know, I just the, the body hasn't woken up yet, so we'll see. Here's the thing, Elliot. It's my my home course, my time. You get your home course, you get your home time. I feel like that's fair. All right, we're playing at six p.m. <laughs> I mean, I'll be there. You tell me what time. <laughs> you tell me what time I need to go to that place, and I'll be there. The the best thing that you could probably do is make sure that it it does it does the darkness cuts in, and you can blame the darkness, and we can have to start over or something. That's the best thing you can do. <laughs> All right, in regards to uh, Charlie coming on, I don't know, again, it's one last call to action, one last chance. If there's any questions that you have, please put them in the chat. I'm going to have Casey uh, pull one if he's able to. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, in my opinion, this whole preseason stuff, I know that I'm not a fan. I get that, that maybe perhaps this isn't the same sentiments that many people share. I just genuinely don't think it matters. I don't. And maybe that makes me a bad guy. Maybe I shouldn't say that openly on air when you're doing a sports talk because what are you supposed to talk about for the next four or five weeks? I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm not going to sit up here and play games and say something I don't believe in. I don't think preseason matters one iota. I just don't. If you stay healthy, that's the only thing that matters. Genuinely. Outside of that, ah. I mean, these guys have played football for so long. they played football for so long that I don't even think that you can even replicate what it's like in the regular season, in preseason, because there's guys that are trying to get reps on the other team. Ones aren't really going against ones a whole lot. And then on top of that, you add all that up, and you still don't have the pressure that's involved in a preseason game as you do in a regular season game. And then you add on top of that a postseason game, and the Bengals are in this tier now. They're in this upper echelon of the league where I know that they've not been often, but they've been enough lately to now just pencil them in. It reminds me, again, as a Packer fan, it reminds me of a time in which the Green Bay Packers, every year, everyone was always pointing at somebody in the division of saying, this is the team that's going to give the Packers a chance or a rival. And every year, I just be like, Are they, I mean, is this really a serious thing? Like, do we really think that the Vikings, led by Kirk Cousins, uh, this is years ago, is going to get it done? Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the guy. He's going to resurrect Aaron Rodgers. And the next thing you know, you got... Jay Cutler, he's the next guy for the Bears. They're going to figure it out. And the Lions, they've been bad forever. So I guess the Lions and the Browns are kind of like similar. So we kind of have the same wavelengths a little bit there in regards to what the division looks like. But the, the Packers every year, in my opinion, were guaranteed, like pencil them in, they're going to be in the playoffs. What happens after that, I don't know. At this, point, at this point, it feels like the Bengals are in that same category. Can something crazy happen? and the Bengals have an injury or two that, 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 that derails the season. But, yes, that's possible. That's possible. But at some point, why in the world would that even be a concern? Because if people get hurt, yeah, you're not going to be able to fix that in the preseason regardless. Well, the goalposts have moved. 
I mean, if you, if you don't recall last year, Tom's biggest take when the show first started was that the offensive line didn't play any preseason games. In the first two weeks, the team just didn't look ready. And I'll, I'll quit, hurry this up, but now the goal isn't to make the postseason, as you mentioned. That's almost a conclusion that the Bengals should do that. That that's, that's not where the goal is anymore. The goal is now to get the number one seed. The goal is now to have home playoff games throughout the postseason and, and bring the Chiefs, bring the Bills to us, stuff like that. that those are the goals, and to do that, you got to win games at the beginning of the year you can't come into week one rusty yeah but here's the thing and they were last year because joe burrow had appendicitis and the offensive line didn't play any preseason games were they rusty or did someone just get hurt that's what i i, I genuinely like the, the long snapper got hurt last year and everybody wants to say act like that's not a big deal like if, if they had their long snapper they beat the, the they might not have looked great i get it they might not look great but they still win the game well then they lose to cooper rush week two okay they lose to Cooper Rush in week two, but that was a close game. And again, as much as we want to make fun of that, as much as, as, as me in the office, me and Sean kind of have like this little small small bond as the only non-Bengals fans in the office, and we have to hear about how great the Bengals are every week. So sometimes, you know, we do come up with some funny little bits like like Mr. Rush or whatever his name was. Cooper, Cooper Rush is able to beat the Bengals. But part of that is because the Cowboys are just really, really good. Like, I don't know what it takes for people to understand, but last year, the Cowboys were really, really, really good. You're not going to convince me that if something, if they would have done something differently during the preseason last year, they would have they would have 100% beat the, the, the Dallas Cowboys. I, Mike, I'm not buying into that. Micah Parsons bullied them, like, the entire game. Yep. He took over that game. And Micah Parsons does that to a lot of people yeah. and a lot of teams. So, again, I get that sentiment. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the preseason means nothing at all. I'm suggesting that it means far less than what people want to make it out to be, I guess. And you know what? We have Charlie on the line. Charlie, thank you for joining the show, especially with this band of characters that we've put together around here. I appreciate you coming on. I, I, I Obviously, I, I'm a Reds guy. We'll talk about the Reds. I want to save that for a minute because we've been talking about the Bengals for just some time. Today, I don't know if you know this, in some sports books, Joe Burrow has become the odds-on favorite to, to win the MVP. Um, that just came out this morning that I seen. What that means, I don't know. It seems to me, though, that they might know They might know something. Do you read much into that? Have you heard anything? I don't know if there's new news. I assume that there's not, but uh, I'll let you fill us in if there is. Yeah, just everything that almost speaks for itself almost was just watching Burrow go through what was pretty much his normal pregame warm-up before the preseason game about four hours before the game on Friday. Burrow was playing his feet, moving around the pocket, making deep throws down the field. He was telling trainers that, that he was working with to kind of simulate different routes so he could make throws outside the numbers. He was making incredible throws, and it was funny. This should come as no surprise. But then when Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning came in and did similar things, of course, Burrow was the quarterback who clearly looked better. He looks like a guy ready to play a game. He looks like a guy ready to help the Bengals win right now. I get this approach since there's still so much time before the start of the season, but it looks like kind of all cannons are firing with Burrow. You know, Joe Burrow is in a unique situation. Um, young player, obviously, that's still on his rookie deal. It's been made up uh, a million different ways of what people think should happen or what could happen and whether other guys need to get taken care of first or how they manipulate the salary cap with Joe Burrow's deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would be hard-pressed to believe as an outsider, and again, I, I keep hearkening back to saying I'm an outsider because I'm not a Bengals fan, but I do obviously live in the city. I could not imagine under any scenario that if I'm Joe Burrow's people or his, or his inner circle 
that I would allow him to play a single snap in the NFL this year before having a deal done. Do you, in your mind, think that anything changed because of the injury specifically? And do you still think that there's a chance, I guess, in your gut, I know I'm asking for your opinion, which isn't what you usually maybe do in in, in the columns, or or excuse me, when you do the, the, the journalist thing. But in your gut, do you think that a deal gets done before the season starts? I... What I don't think happened is that Trey Hendrickson signed his extension and Logan Wilson signed his extension and they go, sorry, Joe and T, we're out of money, no more flexibility. Um, Talk to you guys next year. Those are decisions that project confidence about the resources they have. And I've always gotten the sense that Joe and T will priority one and two. Um, Burr's going to play. He would have been full in practice throughout the preseason even if there was no deal done. Um, you know, T's been more limited, but he's actually been more limited, you know, through his entire training camp career, even in other years of his, uh, even in other years of his career when he wasn't in a contract year. The Bengals have been very clear about what the plan has always been. They have a long history of investing in multiple wide receivers ever since they had two star receivers on the teams in the 80s. And Brian Callahan was in Denver, who had a team with multiple highly paid receivers. And Zach Taylor was in uh, LA, where they had uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. These are guys who believe in investing in your quarterback, in multiple wide receivers. And again, the uh, supplementary moves that have been made show that there's enough kind of in the pot for it to all get done. Speaking of investing, the Bengals obviously invested heavily in the offensive line. They bring in they bring in Orlando Brown Jr., and perhaps that was the biggest surprise of the offseason. Uh, in your mind, there was much made up, at least on this show, last year when it comes to preseasons, its importance how the offensive line can gel together. They have some, obviously, new pieces with uh, specifically uh, Orlando Brown. Do you think, in, in, in what you've seen so far, that that has been a, a positive addition? Has he gelled well with the team in, in regards to how has he looked so far? Orlando Brown looks like the best offensive lineman the Bengals have had in a while, probably the best offensive lineman that Zach Taylor's ever had, his physicality, his athleticism. They have some scheme stuff that they're working on that they specifically feel like they can do because they have a guy like Orlando Brown. Um, what his size can do kind of for the power run game to the left side of the line of scrimmage, what his consistency can do for the play-action game out of shotgun, which is something the Bengals really didn't do last year. Now, for the preseason and whether or not this unit needs to gel, like – So like last year, and I heard you guys talking about this, who started slow for the Bengals last year? The defense was unbelievable. Um, The receivers were unbelievable. Hayden Hurst hit the ground running right away. Joe Mixon maybe had his third best game of the season in week one. The people who didn't start slow were, who did start, start slow, were Burrow and the offensive line. And let's break that down a little further. Burrow had his appendix removed. He couldn't play in the preseason anyway. I actually graded out um, Kappa and Karras, uh, and Bolson pretty well for the first uh, two games of the season. So really that just leaves Collins and Williams as the guy who started slow. Well, Collins couldn't have played in the preseason anyway because he was hurt. And Williams, it turned out, just wasn't as, as good of a left tackle as kind of the, the perception of him around the league was. So I don't know that that uh, being on the field in the preseason has a tangible effect for how you play early on, especially when you have a line that's playing at a high level in camp. Fair enough. Uh, one thing that was obviously a concern was was the two safeties that, that had left. Uh, two good safeties at that, and you obviously have replacements that are, that are come in that are relatively new, but there's, there's some high expectations. So far, um, from the outside looking in, it looks and appears as if things have been going well or progressing in the right direction. Your overall thoughts, have you got any intel from inside the locker room on, on, on how that group is being looked at or how they feel about that internally? 
it's the question of the season. It's, it's the unknown. So, you know, when the Packers came to town for the joint practice, I knew that would be the one opportunity we'd really get to see the defense first team going up against the first team, really showing what it can do. And I spent that whole practice looking at the Bengals safeties. And, you know, then I talked to some people after about how it looked too. And that was a moment. Multiple veterans on the Bengals defense told me this. They looked around and said, not only are things going to be okay, things are going to be good. Um, you know, you know, Dax Hill and Nick Scott won't be Jesse and Vaughn right away. Jesse and Vaughn weren't Jesse and Vaughn right away. But there was more speed and more range in the Bengals safety group than they had. There's also more depth in the Bengals safety group that they had. Um, there's a lot to like from what they showed in the joint practice, what they showed, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about what they did in the preseason game, Dax Hill's pass breakup, Tyson Anderson's two picks, Jordan Battle making plays in the backfield and then deep down the field as well. I think probably the most encouraging development of the preseason in training camp has been what you've seen from the Bengals safeties. Again, there will be questions throughout the season, but for everything they could possibly show in training camp in the preseason, frankly, they've aced that test so far. Well, they play this Friday coming up. Uh, the Bengals do against the Falcons um, in another preseason matchup. Is there anything in particular you had mentioned that you were, were specifically looking at the safeties during the Packers' uh, little practice there? Um, is there anything specific you'll be looking at on Friday that uh, that you need kind of more clarity on? Yeah, well, uh, lots of things that certainly you need clarity on. Two more high-profile ones are quarterback and running back, specifically with the backup spots. Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning, in, in I don't know what the best way to say this is, they have both not taken any strides towards claiming the Bengals' backup quarterback job. They need to play better. And if they don't, the Bengals might need to explore other options if a, a grand now becomes available. It is still one of their jobs to lose. A good game from them where they you know, do things that they didn't do last week, play on time within the offense, make anticipation plays, be accurate on their throws down the field, um, pick up protections, getting the snap on time, like stuff like that just didn't happen last week. You need to see that this weekend. Someone needs to take a step towards taking that job. Running back Chris Evans and Chase Brown, like they're good at different things almost. I think Evans looks right now uh, as a, a more, not explosive runner, but but a, a better runner probably when you need, I don't know what the best way to say this is, um, Chris Evans just looked more comfortable running within the Bengals' scheme. I think that's the best way to say it. Uh, Chase Brown, probably the better overall power runner when you need a yard. Also better at making guys miss um, when he has the ball in his hands. I think you need to see more of them both in pass protection and then more of them in situations doing what the other guy's good at. Uh, what's Chase Brown look like on first and 10 when he gets situations maybe he didn't get last week? How can the Bengals kind of get a next step from Chris Evans on maybe short yardage runs? Um, how is he looking in pass protection? They need more answers as they come up with a plan at that position. Do you think Bengals fans at any moment this year are going to look back at, at, at a guy that's running in, in Denver and Samaj P. Ryan and think, I wish we would have held on to him? Bengals want you... to keep him. Bengals yeah, but I mean, I mean, do you? I guess the question more or less would be, do you think that the guys that, that, that have replaced, if you will, Samaj P. Ryan, whether that be Brown or whether it be Evans, or I mean, I know those two guys, and Evans specifically, doesn't really fit the mold of a Samaj P. Ryan, but do you think that there's a situation where it's going to be kind of long forgotten of Samaj P. Ryan, or is it going to be a hole that's in there in the backfield that they're going to wish, I guess, in a little bit of a way that they were able to keep him even though he left? There's a situation where... 
no, it's the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, and um, the Chiefs blitzed Legereus Sneed out of the slot on third and eight in the fourth quarter, and Evans doesn't pick it up, and the Chiefs win the game. That scenario exists. Piran was great at his role, and he was on the field for very important snaps. That was kind of what was interesting about how the Bengals, it never seemed more proactive in bringing in a backup running back at any point this offseason on the veteran market. And then in the draft, they, you know, I thought they would or they were going to take Roshan Johnson in the third round. He would fit that mold, and I think he's got some real, real upside as well. He's had a nice preseason. They waited until the fifth round, and they also took a guy in Brown who is probably a better power runner, but a less experienced, true drop-back passing game, also pass protection type back. They didn't draft that type of back. Maybe that becomes a hole or a flaw in the roster. Now, Third down back and pass protecting running back is a pretty good, you know, flaw to have. Ask the Ravens how they're feeling about their cornerbacks right now. Um, but that is a real hole the Bengals will probably have to scheme around. Fair enough. All right. Shifting gears a little bit. Uh, one thing I did challenge, Charlie, because I know that you had come on Chatterbox Reds before and you enjoyed the chat. You liked the chat. You enjoyed the chat questions. I told the chat. I don't know if they're going to do it or not. But I told the chat if they asked a good enough question at the end of the segment, I'll give, I'll give the chat question of the day. So we'll see if they can come up with something. But in the meantime, we'll shift gears over towards the Reds. Um, I don't want to say the wheels start to feel like they're falling off per se, but it definitely feels like uh, the, 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 the fuel tank is starting to get low. You're around this club a good amount of time. Do you feel like the energy level is significantly different? Or I guess maybe not significantly, but different than it was obviously during their run maybe a month and a half ago when, when uh, it seemed as if nothing could go wrong? Obviously, the energy level is different when, you know, there's the music playing in the clubhouse and you're winning your 12th straight game compared to, you know, what was that in the postgame clubhouse last night. I don't get a sense that the vibe is different. What is different is the production. You know, earlier in the season, the Reds, you know, one example that comes to mind, um, you know, after last night's game, the Reds had more options who were playing better against left-handed pitching. Um, the Reds have India on the IL. Senzel used to be great against lefties. He's now in AAA. Uh, Stevenson's in the slump he's in. Um, you know, McLean's had some ups and downs. He's a terrific player. Um, same with Ellie. Just had ups and downs that come up over the cross or over the course of a rookie season. Um, kind of the cat and mouse game they're stuck in right now. Not those guys specifically, but some guys on the team as a whole. You're seeing the waves that again naturally come up, and the Reds are kind of looking for those individual answers to click for the offense as a whole to get back to the level it was at. You know, they they need more from certain guys, more from the offense as a whole. Again, I don't know that, you know, we could point to a guy or two, but I don't know that it's a team full of drastic, disappointing underperformers, but it's a, guy, it's a group of guys that's not hitting at the level they were hitting at in June. And as a result, you know, with an offense that's kind of lost some of that juice and momentum, hitting is contagious and it's just a little less contagious right now. Yeah, well, hitting can still be contagious if nobody's hitting. That is true, Charlie. Um, it's almost like the the, the the favorite phrase, I believe it was uh, Lombardi, who said uh, winning is contagious, but so is losing, unfortunately. The thing is, the thing is uh, that, that, that might be unfair for you right now that I want to ask about is there's a plethora of guys that are injured and or are trying to have different variable timetables on when they're going to come back and what impact they'll have when they come back. Um, I, I, I don't want to go through them one by one. I'll throw them all out to you, and you can maybe provide substance on whatever ones you think you have the most or best answers for. Lodolo obviously just had a rehab start. Green just had a, a, a rehab start. You have Jonathan India, who's, who's 
frustrated right now. I don't know if you want to shine light on that in regards to what that looks like. And then obviously you have Jake Fraley, who who currently, you know, as last I checked, still is a part of that 10-day IL stint when he's going to come back. Certainly there's there's a plethora of guys that the Reds plan to get back. Do you have any updates on any of those guys of things that have changed and or the attitude behind their expectation when they come back? The only thing that's changed is India. Uh, that, that was a fascinating conversation we had with India yesterday, um, saying things like it didn't have all the information, basically saying things were mishandled because if he, he said this, if he was off his feet for and, run, and not running for two weeks from when he went on the IL, he would have been back yesterday, but he, he wasn't told that, but that was the information he got when he went to you know get a second opinion, which he did over the weekend. And they said, why had you been managing it this way? Um, he says he feels no pain. There are just micro tears that I guess have to heal. Um, but there wasn't any additional damage shown when he got a follow-up MRI. Um, India is very th – th yesterday was probably the most frustrated I've seen India. Um, with how this was handled, with how he's not back on the field, with how he's not playing even though he feels no pain. Um, Green probably back on Sunday. Lodolo still on that late August track. You know, they have some off days and stuff, so they figure out which day that lines up to being – Fraley, he's still pretty much off his feet. He, he did some, like some lying down, working on fielding ground or sitting down fielding ground balls yesterday, but he's not moving around yet. Um, the Tommy John guys, I'm um, hearing, you know, don't expect them to come back and save the bullpen, but they're encouraged by their progress. So the Reds are getting healthier. Um, but again, the India, the India lingering IL stint is definitely the most interesting. What do you expect from the front office? Do you think that the vibe is continued to be, and I know perhaps Nick Kroll can't say this out loud. Of course he can't say this out loud. But I just wonder, and again, I'm more, I'm more or less um, asking you off of your own kind of personal belief system. This isn't, to be clear, before I ask it uh, a gotcha thing or anything like that. Or, or the, But I just wonder, when you're around guys like Nick Kroll, if they put off the attitude that is, hey, listen, I know everybody in the city is super excited about these guys and they're playing maybe a little bit better than they expected to be played. But the truth is, is that we still feel confident and we're not going to change one thing about what we had planned on doing before this year as we move through this year, depending on how close we are to the playoffs or not how close we are to the playoffs. Do you get the sense from the front office and Nick Kroll that they're, that they're ecstatic or pleased based off what they've seen and they're okay with the decisions, I guess, that, that they've continued to make, especially, I guess not really going out and getting any pieces. And on top of that, David Bell sticking to, if you will, this platoon situation. Um, do you think that that's a collective effort between David Bell and Nick Kroll when it comes to the platoon situation? And is that, I guess, the expectation going forward with some of these guys? And they just know, and for lack of a better term, they know that the guys that they're playing with right now probably aren't a part of the future, but they're just going to stick with it because that's just the part of the longer-term plan? There's a lot there. Um, the platoon, I'll answer the platoon situation first and then come back kind of with that second part. Um, the platoon situation, I, I disagreed with the lineup yesterday. I would have Votto and, Fre and, uh, Fraley, or, uh, and uh, Friedel and Benson in there over, you know, guys who were called up over the last two weeks, even in left-on-left -left matchups like TJ Hopkins. They couldn't find an at-bat for him in a week. Uh, and then he's starting over Joey Votto. I didn't agree with it. Um, but the flip side is they ended up getting two at-bats against righties because you brought them in off the bench. It didn't pan out. Um, but that's a question the Reds will have to answer. Um, the plan as a whole, kind of what do, what do you mean by that? Are you talking about the trade deadline? Are you talking about the offseason? Are you talking about the future projecting forward? Kind of what, what do you mean? 
I'm saying in regards to the, the 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 outside noise, and maybe it's a bad question, but I think that many times when 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 we obviously interact with fans on a daily basis, um, a lot of it is frustration with the standpoint that they had made it. They made it seem as if this front office should have gone out and done more. When you get behind the scenes, do you get a sense that Nick Crawl was frustrated at all that he wasn't able to do more at the deadline? Is kind of what I was getting at. And some of that probably comes off the back of that, you know, he's just maybe in the mindset that he's not really, I don't want to say not worried about the end of this year. He can't say that out loud, but do you get the sense that he just, he just was happy with where they were at and he didn't want to jeopardize anything in the future based off of one singular year? Nick Kroll wanted to make a trade or more trades at the deadline. They wanted to add guys who were rentals or short-term pieces. They, you know, I know some of the, some of the names behind the scenes I've heard that, teams were asking for, and I probably wouldn't have made those moves either. What I am more critical of is what they did last offseason. They had very limited financial flexibility from the payroll set by ownership, and as a result, the only pitcher they were able to sign was Luke Weaver to a $2 million deal. Weaver made one start in 2022, and obviously has not been what the Reds needed in 2023. Um, you know, we talk about how the plans changed. Well, the plan back then obviously wasn't for this to be a contending year like it has been, and I think the the misreading on what the 2023 season was going to be, you know, you wouldn't have had to give up anything in, you know, in November for a starting pitcher who the exact same starting pitcher who you could have tried to trade for at the deadline and weren't able to because teams were asking for too much in return. Again, I get why they didn't make a move at the deadline. Again, I probably would have done the same thing with some of the names that were floating around, but kind of what's come back to bite them the most is how they approach the offseason. All right, last question I have that's more of a fun question, if anything. How many more fly balls in left field have to be misplayed and not seen before the Reds do something about the 640 start times? I think I, that's a, I think that's a conversation. Um, six, and I've heard the 640 at Great American Ballpark is one of the toughest. Like Tommy Pham stood on a, soap, a soapbox about this. He was talking about how it was ruining his – and this is Tommy. He was, he was great and he spoke his mind. Um, it was ruining his war, and it was going to mess him up when he hit free agency in 2023, and all of his defensive runs saved, and he was breaking that down. Like, it's legit. It's very real. I think Spencer Steers is a good left fielder. I think there was nothing he could have done on that ball, and four minutes later, the sun was gone. So I think that is a, a very real conversation. All right. Well, if anything that you could do to, to point them in the direction of not doing 640 start times would be great, because ultimately I think they did that just because – Games were lasting six hours. I'm being a little facetious. Um, games were lasting six hours, and they made the excuse that they wanted kids to be able to see the end of the game. Well, with the pitch clock, fortunately now, the, the games don't last nowhere near as long, and I think that the 7 o'clock start times, there's really nothing wrong with them because the games are still over at a reasonable time. But nonetheless, I don't know if we have this yet or not. Do we have a chat question? I, I, this is blind, blind, uh, no chat questions? The only chat question I got Charlie's order at Skyline. What's Charlie's go-to order at Skyline? There, that's the hard-hitting questions. Um, my Skyline order is a little unique. I go chili cheese, spaghetti, and a bun, and I go three of them. I've been getting that for about 20 years now. All right. And then Casey, who is a, the executive producer of this show, who runs this place, wants to ask you a question. Casey, take it away. A lot of people are asking about DJ Ivy. Do you think he makes the roster? Mm -hmm. I do think he makes the roster. I think he has every tool you could want for kind of a project corner. Um, the preseason opener was not a great showing from him, but I still think he has the type of, again, tools that are hard to find. I think they've been impressed and pleased with kind of how he's worked behind the scenes to develop. He'll probably be the sixth corner this year. It's not a bad sixth corner to have. And uh, overall, I think they're really pleased with that pick. Is there an odd man out then 
in the secondary, or do you think most of those guys will make it? So I have like a color-coded 53-man roster projection where there are locks, there are slots that will get filled um, that I had in green, and then in white are kind of open roster spots. They'll definitely carry six corners. Definitely. That's a lock. Um, three starters, obviously, and then I have Ivy as a lock. I have um, – or excuse me, no, no, no. I have uh, Ivy on the roster kind of in green. They'll carry someone like that. They'll carry someone like Jalen Davis and the uh, DJ Turner's a lot. That's who I was forgetting. Now the question is, will they carry a seventh corner as opposed to a seventh receiver or a fourth running back or a fourth tight end or an extra offensive lineman or something like that? I say yes, because I value depth at that position and defensive line and offensive line more than any other position. So I have them going extra there. And that extra guy I have them keeping is Sidney Jones. I think he's probably the one that's the most on the bubble. He's also hurt right now. Um, but kind of who, who's your 52nd, 53rd man going to be when you're comparing, you know, position A versus position B. I have them going heavy at corner and keeping Sidney Jones. All right. Charlie, the man, appreciate you coming on here and answering insightful questions, I think, from 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 all various topics that are the Bengals and the Reds. I don't know what uh, I don't know when you sleep, per se, during this time of the year, especially when the Reds are relevant. I would assume that if there's ever a time where the Reds become uh, elite and they play October baseball, your life will be uh, will be a little bit different. Well, uh, I guess that'll be uh, more quick skyline trips. Get more <laughs> It will. And, and and again, next time you come on, I'm sure you'll get another hard-hitting question from the chat. So hopefully it made you smile. Hopefully you had a little bit a better bright spot in your day from your, your, your Skyline order. I don't know what the next one will be, but I'm sure it'll be great. Well, now I'm on the edge of my seat. Is it All right. All right. Fair enough. Charlie, thank you for the time, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. All right. Here's the thing, guys. When I hear about this backup quarterback thing, I got to be honest. It's irrelevant. I, I, I see people in the chat saying, go get this guy, go get that guy. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because I get that, that, that maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the backup quarterbacks that are even in the league. You could go get the best backup quarterback in the league. And at the end, at the end of it, it doesn't matter because you're not going to get to where you ultimately want to go with the right. Cincinnati Bengals and what the future is. And that's why, that's why Joe Burrow is going to get paid a bunch of money. Because he's one of the very few human beings in the entire world that can do what millions and millions of people want their franchise to be able to do, and that's win a Super Bowl. That's why sometimes the NFL, not saying it's boring, but sometimes the NFL is as simple as that. If, you were to, if I were to go to my wife and say, hey, let me give you the, the, the Cliff Notes version of how the NFL goes as fast as I possibly can. You could get knee-deep in the, in, the, in, the, in the last roster spot on the 50-man roster and who's going to take up the, you know, the special teams and who's going to be the punter and all this stuff, and now oh, that's great. And you know what? It's fun. It makes it a little bit more entertaining, perhaps, for the folks that get into it, specifically probably like a guy like Casey, and there's many and many and many and thousands of others that do it. My main point is that I could tell my wife, hey, there's about eight guys in the entire world that play quarterback. If you got one of those eight guys, you got a chance. If you don't have one of those eight guys, you don't have a chance. And it's literally as simple as that. So before you get knee-deep and yelling and arguing, and I say that a little facetiously, about who the backup should be, I'm just here to tell you it doesn't matter. To say it doesn't matter, you're right in the fact that if Joe Burrow tears his knee up and is gone for you know, the rest of the season, yeah, it doesn't matter because you're not going to get to where you want to go. That's not what you're worried about with a backup quarterback. You're worried about you know, you're know you in the second quarter, Joe Burrow goes down, can't come back for the rest of the game, he might miss one week. Can you have a guy that can play six quarters and can compete and can win a ball game? That's what you want. 
to yeah. to your point is correct. And if if Joe Burrow's done for the season, season's a wash. Go ahead and yeah. forget about it. You just need a guy that can bridge the gap until Joe Burrow can come back. All right, you talked me but, off the ledge. I'll tell you why you talked me off the ledge. I'll let Casey expand upon his point that he's getting ready to make right now. You talked me off the ledge a little bit. Here's why. Because Chad Henney did come in to a playoff game, yeah. and he did lead them like 99 yards. Now, one would argue that they play in the best offensive system known to human mankind for playing football. And, it, and it's very, very advantageous to play quarterback in that system. But Chad Henney, to his point, did go 99 yards right off the bench. And, uh, and scored in a meaningful game in the playoffs. So I, 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 I hearken back a little bit on that take. That was, yeah, that was going to point out. Oh, you were going to say that. Yeah. So I just beat you to the punch. I think there's definitely a role for the backup in the NFL. I, I don't think you should be out trying to have the best backup in the league. Right, you don't need to do that. But it, there's a difference between Brandon Allen and, uh, I don't know, Gardner Minshew, whoever's a, whoever's a backup elsewhere, right? I think there's a, there's a very big difference if, if Joe Burrow, you know, let's say he takes a hard hit, he needs to go out a couple snaps, there's just a difference between guys like Brandon Allen and, and guys who can play the position well. Would you rather the Bengals have as their backup Evan Prater or Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield. I'm taking him. I don't want Baker Mayfield in my clubhouse. Baker, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want Baker in the That's a nonsensical room. question. It's Baker, Baker, it's, Mayfield. A, it's Baker Mayfield. It's not. It's a nonsensical question. I'd, 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 I'd rather Jamar Chase play quarterback for, for the second half. If you laugh, know. but I would, I would watch that too over that. Just put him in Wildcat. Let's go run. Let's run the Tim Tebow. <laughs> I, I don't want Baker Mayfield. I don't, I don't want the Johnny. I don't want any quarterback that the Browns have drafted in the last 20 years to be the quarter, be the backup quarterback. Can I get out in front of something too? If Anthony Richardson ends up being a good NFL quarterback, I will openly admit that I am completely wrong. And I just did not see that coming from a million miles away. I, I know that there are speculations right now. There, there are, there are these. Ex, there's excitement around uh, the Colts and, and what they think they have, and they think that he's going to be maybe the, the brightest star of all the rookies. But we're talking again. We're talking about like two weeks of preseason football here. This isn't. This isn't like this guy's played six games in the NFL and he looks amazing. He's, he's done nothing yet. Is this a part? Are we a part of the the, the Looney Tune season right now? To where? People are getting a little bit of that. Uh, it's almost like, you know, you've, you've mentioned it before, like just, just give me a little bit. Just, just, now oh, it's a kid's show. I won't do it. But my point is, is they, they're, they're, they're sprinkling a little bit to you to where you're, 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 you're getting teased a little bit and you're just so excited that you just start making outlandish takes and, you're, and you just love football so much that you just want it to be back so bad that you start saying that Anthony Richardson's going to be the best rookie of all the rookies. Or, or is he possibly going to be the best rookie, Casey? Trace, I, I have a very, very hot take here. I think, uh -oh. he, I think he will be the best rookie by far. The one, what is by the far. one by far? What is the one thing that people say about Anthony Richardson? That, that what's his biggest knock? What would you say? Inaccuracy. Inaccuracy, consistency. Because he he's known to make these big plays. He's got it in him, right? But can he make the consistency? Can he, can he become this guy that can do the mundane? Shane Steichen is probably the best offensive coordinator to be able to do that with. Look what he did with Jalen Hurts. I mean, the year before the Super Bowl run, I mean, he looked awful against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that playoff game. Awful. And wasn't nearly as consistent. Great athlete. And you're just getting a guy in Anthony Richardson who's probably more athletic, bigger, stronger than Jalen Hurts. And you're putting him in a system where, well, hopefully you get your, your top running back in Jonathan Taylor. But the guys that he's surrounded with, too, also really big receiving threats. 
guys that have long wingspans, so he doesn't need to be the most accurate quarterback in the world. He's just got to make the right reads, make the right throws. I don't know. I, I have a lot of faith in the Colts' defense, too. It's underrated. Now, I don't know how well they're going to do. I don't know if any of the rookie quarterback teams are going to do great, right? Yeah. But out of all of them, I think he's got the most weapons. I think he's got the best supporting cast around him. I don't know. I like I like his chances. If he's going to succeed, it's going to be with that team. I like how the Colts have 180 from what their MO was on quarterbacks for the past five years because they felt like they had a good roster with Andrew Luck, and obviously Andrew Luck was you know a Hall of Fame talent, and then he goes away. So they're like, all right, how can we bridge the gap? How can we bridge the gap? How can we get somebody in here that can win football games? So they go after the oldest guys in the league, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, all these names, and now they're just like, you know what? That was really boring. That kind of stunk. Let's go out and get the most exciting rookie that we can possibly get. And they got Anthony Richardson. So, I mean, it's it's a 180. So, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I have not looked into this yet. Casey, you might know off the top of your head. But has is is there been any movement with Jonathan Taylor? Has there been any kind of uh, a leading to believe that he might actually play football this year? I don't know. I have yeah. not. I have not. This year has been a little little weird with just all the stuff that's been going around my, my personal life. So, I've not been no, deep into the... Uh, the uh, the weeds on his situation. I think the last time that I've checked, he was still a Colt, <laughs> demanding yeah. a trade. But I don't think that. I don't know. He might not play. He didn't give. He didn't I give Minshew a high five at practice yesterday. I saw that. <laughs> I he tried to. Yes, I did. What he was tried Ursa to. Doing. <laughs> I mean, what <laughs> the hell? I mean, He's we, the worst. we talk. We talk about. You know, the the Reds ownership saying, where else are you going to go? Can you imagine the Reds ownership just outwardly going like, you know, Joey Votto's in the prime of his career. And they just come out and be like, yeah, first basemen aren't that great. Yeah, we, we I mean, we just don't see how first baseman can really change your team. Anything like that. That would be that would be crazy. Jim Ursaid's a looney tune. Yeah, it's a tough look for a team that hangs wild card losing banners up in their stadium rafters. So, yeah, I, I think Ursay's a clown. I think he's a bum. Jonathan Taylor, I will, he, he's going to play. I, I think you saw what happened with uh, um, Le'Veon Bell, where it's like if you sit out seasons like that, you, you're going to lose credibility at some point, and teams aren't just going are, are to trust you. Sure, yeah. So he's going to play. It's, he's going to play this season. I think he's still hurt, though, no? Is he? Is he I don't know. You, I, mentioned, I, you mentioned them hanging banners for wild card yeah. losing seasons. I couldn't imagine rooting for a team that hangs banners for for particularly no reason. Yeah, like a, like a basketball team here in town. Yeah. I guess we're talking about Xavier. Yeah, I don't mm. like the banners. You don't like NIT banners. Hey, Mouse, this is your national guy. National champions. Mouse, this is national your guy. National champions. I he's mean, make, Mouse is already going to be on my my case. He's making fun of Xavier. I, will, I made fun of Xavier enough last week. I'm not going to make fun of Xavier today. They got a lot of spunk over there at Norwood. In Norwood, hmm. is UC football in a situation? Uh, is UC in a football situation right now where expectations are so low that it actually might end up being okay? Yeah, that's like, exactly where they are, and that's where you want to be. Honestly, it's it's where the Reds were this season. So if you go out and win six games this year, it's a great season. You make a bowl game. You make the Cheetos Bowl. Uh, the Cheez-It Bowl, the Grandma Cookies Bowl. Duke's Mayo. Whatever, whatever fake bowl you let's can get a bowl. Hey, Let's play a game right now. Let's yeah. see how many times we can go around and actually name a real bowl. Oh, man. Ready? Alamo, Alamo Bowl. Bahamas Bowl? 
I think that might be right. You might have lost in the second one, but I'm gonna go with the Duke's Mayo Bowl because I know that's okay. right off the top of my head. Casey, Casey, do you have do you have do you, do you know many bowls, Casey? Or do you want it to keep us in the three of us? Just keep it to the three. Of you <laughs> Idaho, Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, the Fenway Fenway Bowl, uh, Fiesta Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, not a baseball bowls, <laughs> the Rose Bowl. Did we already say the Bahamas? I did the Bahamas <laughs> yes. Bowl. Yeah, you did the Bahamas Bowl. Um, that's that's the one with Gunnar Keel. Gunnar Keel didn't show up to that one, or he got kicked off the team. Something happened there. Uh, sugar and the Go Daddy Bowl was the Go Daddy Bowl was. I don't know if it still is. That's fine. If it was, okay. it was a thing. Right, go, go, go Daddy Bowl. Bowl. The Barstool Bowl. Damn it. Sugar and Cotton Bowl. No, th th those like, those are, are too we, good. Those are those are those Orange are. Bowl. He yeah. He just named Beach all the three Bowl. big ones, uh, which are great. Those are good. Uh, I gotta be honest. I'm at the end of my line here. I don't know anymore. I know that the one that you said was I had uh, the Pinstripe Bowl. You said the Fenway Bowl. I, I said, said the Pinstripe the, Bowl. The, you, I said I said them both. I used the baseball the ones. Mm, of course, Reed would use the baseball ones right off the thing. Isn't there a cheese it Bowl? And there's a, a cheese it there's Bowl. A, there's definitely a cheese. I said the cheese it Bowl. The Armed Forces Bowl. Is that a thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Chick Fil A Bowl. Outback There's Chick-fil-A bowl. bowl. Peach Bowl? Peach, peach Bowl. It was the Peach Bowl. Chick-fil-A Peach oh, Bowl is what okay. it was. All right. All right. That was fun. What a fun game we just played there. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. When you do this show every day, the last thing that I want to do is try to stretch the truth or stretch the ideas that we have in this room. One thing that I would like to do, though, is tell you that when we get back on Friday, my goal is to have this room slightly rearranged. Slightly rearranged. I genuinely mean this. You can DM us. You can send us a message on Twitter. If there's things in which you think that you would perhaps enjoy that would be apparent, apparent, I think is the word I'm looking for, on this show, please let us know. I mean, I'm all about trying to make things better. Um, and our right now is a very, very fragile time into being able to make the show what we ultimately want to make it. And we're really right now treading water, somewhat similar to the Cincinnati Reds, although the Cincinnati Reds don't seem to be treading water all that great right now, if we're being completely honest. But they are just one game back of the wild card. You must remember that. But the same goes with this show. We're just treading water here for a minute to get our to get our bearings straight, to figure out what we want the show to look like moving forward. Obviously, when football comes around, that'll be a main topic of conversation. But just in general, uh, I know many people, Ron specifically, wants to, wants to stick on sports. I think from time to time, it'd be nice if we had a segment that was not specifically about sports because I think we have people in this room that I'm not just saying this. I think behind the scenes, if there was one thing that I could do, uh, maybe this is a call to action more than anything. I'd like to find interns that could just video us at all times because I think the humor that is exists around here is pretty elite. It's, it's very funny. Like, it's very funny. Now, I know people that usually say that they're funny people or people that, like, actually laugh at their own jokes. Those are most of the time losers and they're not fun to be around. Lamos. But I'm just saying in general terms, it's pretty funny around here. So... You know, I'd like to figure out a way to use those personalities as much as we can instead of talking about, you know, who's going to be the backup quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals because it's, I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant conversations. We can sit here and act like the preseason matters. We can sit here and act like, oh, who's going to be the six-string running back or the six-string corner. It's right. Running backs are, or, or they don't matter. In fact, I think that the Bengals are going to adopt here soon another theory, which is they don't even going to have a running back. They're just going to run five wide all the time, see how that works out for tight end back there to block. Um, but my main point of this whole entire uh, spiel, if you will, spiel or spiel, I think it's spiel, um, is we want to make the show better. So however you think that can be the case, send us a message on Twitter, send us a DM, send us an email, contact the chatterboxsports.com. I promise you that email actually does get checked. We have some games coming Friday too. I don't know, not, not that we, we've already broken some news. We're doing Chatterbox Bengals, right? We do have something coming next week. Uh, called the chatter 
which is going to be another podcast, I think that is also going to be very geared around sports, yes, but also culture. And those people are funny that do that show. And then on top of that, we have something called Chatterbox Bearcats that's going to be similar to Chatterbox Bengals, but it's going to be geared around the University of Cincinnati, obviously. So that being said, I know it's 11.50. I know the show's supposed to go off at noon. But when I started this, Tom was asking me, well, what, what time do we have to go on? What time do we have to go off? I said, here, here's the beautiful thing about the internet, Tom. Let me tell you something. You can go off whenever you want. You can go on whenever you want. I don't have some stooge in my ear telling me right now that I have to get off air because I have commercials to run, which we do have commercials to run. Casey, cue those up. We got but, a cherry on top, too. And we also have a cherry on top. But I just want to say. Do we have a cherry on top? I just want to say. Yes, just, yes, we do, Casey. We, we have a cherry on top, I guess. We don't know we have a cherry on top. Doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like we do, but I guess we do. We just just if after you get through the ad reads, run the cherry on top music, then then, then pan over to me. All right, we do have we do have some ads we need to run. Here's the cool thing about the ads, though. They support this show, which supports us. We can pay our, our electricity bills at our house, which is a very good thing. And then after that, we can we can uh, we can then come in here and talk about sports with all of you. And then you can be unproductive at your workday. And then when you're unproductive at your workday, you feel better about yourself because you've listened to the show and it makes your life better too. So let's not. This isn't just a one-way street here. Our lives are better by these ad reads. Your lives are better by these ad reads. Casey, take it away. The Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let's see here. That's the best ad read we've done all, all, uh, since, for, from is. all time. It is. And let me tell you. <laughs> There's a new premium alkaline water out, Pawnee. And I have to tell you, this stuff tastes great. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee water uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit the website at pawneewater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I dot water or no 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 nope, dot in between nope, there nope. no dot in there just p-a-h-h-n-i water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water love it that was great Casey. i mean that's, that's so elite good. you're not going to find that on many other shows you gotta be honest you're not going to find that you, 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 let me tell you what i just seen i just seen the barry larkin of all barry larkins and what i mean by that is i seen the greatest ad read of all time and I think then we followed it up, maybe the worst ad read of all time. <laughs> so I'm just, Gonna maybe that is, uh, that is the Barry Larkin of all ad reads. We do have a cherry on top, supposedly. We do. So run it, and we'll figure out what Reed's going to do. I don't know. <laughs> do I need to zoom in on you at all? Uh, you could probably pan a little bit to, to me, because I'm going to have something in the top left-hand corner. Okay. I'll tell you what, you better be careful on this one. Well, so here, here's the thing. Oh, 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 All right, here we go. So here's the thing, guys, is the Reds, as you guys know, are playing the Cleveland Guardians, and that that has a trophy, right? Yes, it does. The Ohio Cup, which unfortunately has not come to Cincinnati in almost a decade. 2014, Barry O was the president the last time the Reds won the Ohio Cup. But, you know, a lot of people, you get on X.com, everyone talks about how prestigious 
the Ohio Cup is. When I saw the lineup yesterday, I was worried about the players that if they were even going to be able to play under, you know, the heavy weight that is playing for the Ohio Cup. But we'll see what happens tonight. I started thinking, what are the five most prestigious cups in sports? And I thought even further, what are the five most prestigious cups in the history of the world? So I got it. And here's the list. Coming in at number five, this was thanks to Elliot. The fifth most prestigious cup in the history of the world is the Yeti Cup. And the reason the Yeti Cup is number five is because it's so versatile. It's If you guys have a buddy or something and you need to get them a gift, get them a Yeti Cup. It is a great gift. It's relatively inexpensive. I know it's a more expensive cup, but I mean, it's 25, 30 bucks and you can use it for forever. It keeps your ice cold, keeps your hot liquids hot. It's number five on the five most prestigious cups of all time. Coming in at number four in the world of sports, it's the Stanley Cup. Now, the reason that the Stanley Cup isn't as the most prestigious cup in sports is because, of course, the Ohio Cup exists. And also, and here in America, who really cares about hockey? I mean, it's always cool when they win and they drink the beer out of the, the cup. That's all cool <laughs> and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's just number four. Coming in at number three as the third most prestigious cup of all time, Tom Brady's. You take a sniff. Going into number two. Oh, my God. <laughs> Coming in at number two is the Ohio Cup. It's a great trophy. I think they got to get Chief Wahoo off the trophy because that's not the logo for the Indians or the Guardians anymore. Oh. So we got to get this thing back in Cincinnati. It's been 10 years since it's happened. 2014 was the last time that the, the Reds won this outright. Got to win three of the next you got to, got to win the next three games or else it just stays in Cleveland for another year. Um, we have an honorable mention for this top five cups of all time, and that is Little Wayne's Styrofoam Cup. Don't ask what's in the cup. It's always double stacked. It's always something purple. <laughs> it gets you where you need to go. Little Wayne's Styrofoam Cup is the honorable mention. And number one, men have died trying to find it. No one has found it to this day. It's been the plot point of one of the greatest movies of all time, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It is the Holy Grail. I mean, Jesus drank out of this thing the night before he died. Everyone's been wondering it. I mean, apparently, if you drink out of it, you, you, you live forever. So, I mean, it's the number one cup of all time. So, guys, Ohio Cup coming in just behind the Holy Grail. Oh, man. Tom Brady's cup did it to me. <laughs> I was not expecting it. Came out of left field. It was one of those situations where only Reed Mouse can come up with something like that. The guy that has all the bits, the bits of bits, the troll of all trolls, coming right out of the bridge That's for right. number three. A beautiful rendition of the Top Cups uh, by Reed Mouse. Thank you for that. That was funny. That was a good thing. I like that. Um, all right. As always, here's the thing. I know what's going to happen every single time. I'm not doing it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm probably going to do it again if someone does it because I don't want to leave him hanging. But I'm serious. Someone in the chat is going to come on here and say, where's Tom? Where's Tom? I mean, we know where most of you know where Tom is. Obviously, Tom's dealing with a vocal cord situation. He'll be back when he's back. Okay, he's back when he's back. And so in the meantime, we're going to hold the fort down. We're going to do our best. We're going to keep treading water. I told you we're going to try to do such a good job on the show that you enjoy it so much that you demand us to do a show on top of a show because you think this show is fun. It doesn't mean it's better than Tom's. It just can be a different show. It's a different style of show because I genuinely am nowhere near as talented as Tom when it comes to sit up here and give some poetic, perfect monologue. I can't do that. I don't have time in the day to do that. And I think that perhaps some people don't mind us just going around the room acting like idiots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could yeah. be a fun day. 
Go back to being productive at your work. All right. Tell your boss that you that you're really that you're really proud of them. That you're you really love working at their company, um, and seeing if that helps in any way, shape, or form. Because you've been unproductive for the last two hours. But in the meantime, I just want to say we'll be back better than ever on Friday. Because tomorrow we get to see Elliot try to do Z Brasilia from the top of the drop tower. He said he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that ride. I don't think I can do that ride. I don't think I can do that. I ride. I think he can do that ride. I don't I, think I can do that. I ride. think I can we're talk him in. We're gonna have to pick a different ride. I think we're gonna have to pick a different. Pick a different I, ride. Listen, Adventure of, Express. <laughs> no, of all the rides, of all of the rides to do a Z Brazilian air on. Okay, if you're gonna actually do it, that's the ride to do it on because Sunshine. because you're not Sunshine gonna Sunshine lose your one. phone. There's there's probably yeah a, you are. What do you mean you're not gonna lose your phone? That's the ride that you lose your phone the most. No, well, absolutely not. not. Absolutely not. You're not moving a lot. You're just falling. You're just falling. That's also the only one where if you drop your phone, it's going to hit somebody in the head and it's going to hurt them. No, uh, disagree. That's not true either. There's, there's many what rides. Do you mean that's not true. All right. I'll get Elliot in line. Okay. I'll get Elliot in line. If he doesn't want to do the zebra zillionaires from top of the drop zone, then that's fine. He'll give you the zebra zillionaires from wherever he gives, gives it to you from. But in the meantime, we will blog it tomorrow all day long. We're going to blog the thing. We're going to make sure it's not blog. It's vlog. Vlog. We're going to vlog the whole thing. We're going to make sure that we have shot for shot this golf match tomorrow. We're going to do our best not to spoil it because Elliot wants to make sure that it's a very, very nice edit. We want it to look good. Like most things around here, we like it to look good until it takes too much work and then we decide, ah, whatever, hell with it. It'll, it'll work. That's probably the way it's going to go. We'll see how it turns out. But nonetheless, it's a lot of talking to say. We'll be back on Friday. Much love to all of you. And for those that watch Chatterbox Reds, I'll see you soon. Take care, everybody.